Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Well, good morning. Happy Monday. We're the Sports Animals. This is the Bobby Curran Show, and this is ESPN Honolulu. It is a, a great Monday to come on the radio, a lot to go over. Uh, some of the stories we're following, great game from Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and Marcus Mariota ekes out another victory, putting the Atlanta Falcons into first place. Both teams would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. I know it isn't ending yeah, yet, but yeah, Marcus, another great game, 20 of 28. Tua, 382. You know, the way he's playing, I see some MVP votes in his future. I think the game's really slowing down for him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, you know, I, I hear, I hear, I hear... <laughs> I hear people trying to do sports talk, and, I mean, granted, I try every morning and fall very, very short, but, I mean, to listen to just the cliches, (sighs) Monday morning just, well, it wakes you up a little, you know? I guess. Look at this game. This game is really slowing down for him. Really? In what way? Yeah. My gosh. The follow-up question would be great. Right, but the (laughs) – I um. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa back in style. Did take off for a long run. Um, what did he have? Three touchdowns? What was that? Three. He had uh, 20, uh, 28 of 36 for 382 yards, three touchdowns, and he rushed five times for 19 yards. No interceptions. No. No, no. interceptions for Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I'm look, I'm trying to find a box score here for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Marcus, I have Marcus's numbers if you'd like. You know how it is on Mondays. He was 20 of 28 for 253 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions for Marcus. I one of them, the one that came at the end of the game, or what, did it come in overtime? I can't remember. It was uh, that one was um, you know that's not really his fault. It wasn't. I mean, it was, a, it was a tough situation, and, you know, he gets credit for it just like any other quarterback when he has the two. You know, one. What do you mean it was a tough situation? Well, I mean. The game slowing down for him? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. One thing I, I did say was kind of interesting about Marcus, a national writer wrote that between the two interceptions, he was incredibly good, awfully good was another description, saying how really well he moved the team, was running. It was a really nice compliment to see from somebody nationally write that about Marcus for that game yesterday. Okay, so um, what you're getting at is that um, you didn't actually watch the game, did well, you? Well, I didn't watch the game. I watched the highlights. You're, not a, you're not a big fan. Hey, hey. I, like, I, Gary's like, oh, look, look, can I find a game without a local plane, please? Because I don't want to root for the local guys. Wrong. I was uh, just stalling because I was pulling up the stats. Okay, so oh. <laughs> with this game, I didn't see – I can't remember the first interception. I didn't see the entire game. <laughs> but did you see P.J. Walker's throw, that one bomb towards the end of the game? 67 yards in the air. Maybe Matt Man. Rule would still have his job if he played the third-string quarterback. 
Well, I mean, he was still, still, you know, 19 of 36, one touchdown and one interception. He did throw for 317 yards. Uh, Deontay uh, Foreman, great game by him for the um, for the Carolina Panthers. Mm. But that was a, you know, that was a that was a crazy game. Marcus had six carries for 43 yards, and one of them was really important to keep a drive going down the uh, down the stretch. And I, again, I think that was in overtime. But that was pretty it was. unbelievable. It was a thirty-yard run. It was a thirty-yard yeah. run in overtime that led to the game-winning field goal with a minute fifty-five left in overtime after Carolina missed the second field goal. Hey, have you ever been to Fat Boys? Oh uh, yeah, once or twice. Yes, yes. Wow, yes. it was really good. I, me and my wife stumbled upon uh, Fat Boys, and they had the game going on. <laughs> I was wondering hey, what the that, connection was there. <laughs> no, but that was a. It, what I'm getting at is um, the Falcons pulled ahead in the game, and I think it was. Hold on, some. The Falcons uh, pulled a – sorry, something was streaming. Okay, the Falcons pull ahead, and I think it was 31 to 28 or 30, something like that, and there was like a minute and a half left or something like that. And we had already finished our uh, breakfast, but I said, okay, keep the, keep the plate here because, you know, like we're not done yet because so we, we had a good seat. <laughs> and then it's like a, a Falcons pull ahead. We're like, yeah, okay, Falcons won. Uh, we can go now. And then I hear this later on in the day, this crazy, unbelievable game. The Falcons come from behind in the double overtime and blah. I was like, what? You never leave a game early. Well, in that case, I'm, I'm sorry I did. But uh, by the way, I, I, uh, Fat Boys was a, I didn't, I never had lunch there, but their breakfast was very, very good. But um, I think there was, I was in YPO, but I think they have one in Waikiki and somewhere else. Yeah, there's somewhere else. I can't remember where. Anyway, it was very, it was onolicious. Um, so Marcus Mariota, yeah, what a what a game. The Kyle Pitts, this guy, Demir Bird, I've never heard of this guy, but boy, they were fast. I mean, Marcus had, what was his uh, yardage again? Marcus had 253 yards. He had 253 yards. A lot of that was on Yak. He's got some. Pre- he's got a pretty talented offense. Tyler Al, is it Al Algier? Algier, Algier. Algier. Whatever it, it is, yeah. whatever it is. Okay, Algier's a, just a powerful, strong running back. He's got the tight end. He's got Drake London and Demir Bird. They've got a pretty uh, special offense. It's the defense for Atlanta that's pretty horrible. But uh, boy, you know, and what what gets me to think is that just as we're cheering for marcus i'm wondering still when the draft comes up if atlanta's going okay who's our quarterback of the future well they already got him. desmond ritter apparently would be the well, quarterback of we'll the future. see i mean what was he a third round draft choice so, but they're not going to draft the quarterback this year after they got ritter I would okay say. we'll say they have ritter right yeah. okay so um ritters they're like okay now it's the offseason let's get ritter to be the guy is ritter going to do what marcus mariota is doing right now I mean, you've, it's a it's a waste of that offensive talent if he's if he's not if you're just throwing him in there to throw him in there because well he's the quarterback of the future. I don't know who drafts their quarterback of the future in the third round either. Yeah, and I, I would think the way Marcus is playing and the way Atlanta is playing overall and winning that they're not in a rush to start Desmond Ritter's NFL career. They're going to pull a Jordan Love more than uh, somebody Hopefully. else. Because, I mean, I, and I, I'm not going to really predict this, but wouldn't that be incredible if Marcus and Tua met in the Super Bowl? Because right now they'd be in the playoffs. I know we're a long Gary, ways away from that. Gary, Gary, yes, Gary, yes, Gary. Yeah, yeah. 
The Atlanta Falcons are not going to the Super Bowl, I know, please. I know, I know. I mean, it took but. everything they had to beat Carolina Panthers. Look, be happy with four and four. Stop going down in the the, the stop going down their uh, schedule and going. Okay, there's a win. There's a win. Stop that. Stop that. Just enjoy the game. You do that with why you do that with everybody else. Well, excuse me, but I think I'm just also saying, I'm just saying it's a very sophomoric thing to do. Ah, uh, well, you don't know me ah. very well then. But I would say also that the people in Vegas who predicted the NFL win totals this year and had Atlanta at two, two. Some had two and a half. Well, look what's happened now. They've surprised the entire NFL world. Anyway, so glad to see that Marcus Mariota is doing well. Yeah. And so glad to see that the game is slowing down for Tua. <laughs> Tua Tonga-Vailoa now. Of the ga- I heard them on the NFL Network, and this is a great way to put it. Okay, they are, what are they? 7-0 and or something in games that Tua has finished. Remember finished. they lost... They started that Bengals game. They lost because Tua got conked on the head. Right. But but in games that he's finished, they're like, what is he, 9-0? Whatever the – what is – Tanner? I'm talking, talking about in a row. this season only? No, I'm talking about in a row from last year to this year. How many has it been? That's what they were talking about. They had a big number. And uh, anyway, it was, it, was, uh, it was a pretty good number in the games that Tua was able to finish. You know why, Gary? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because the game's really slowing down for him. Thank you, um, non-sports people, for trying to be sports people. He sees the entire field now. Uh, again, yeah. 138 rating, uh, quarterback rating. Tua Tagovailoa, I believe, still has the highest QBR in the league. It's been incredible with what he's done with his completion percentage and, you know, when people say make it or break it year, you know, you got Tyreek Hill, who, by the way, is no, on we're, pace we're for over 2,000 yards. We're past the make it or break it. He's done the make it already. Wouldn't we agree? Instead yes. of bringing up stuff people said six months ago that it's a make it or break it year. Oh, like, I don't think it's, I think it's okay to bring it up still, yes. Why? Because it just shows how people were wrong about him. And, right, you know, but the, we already went through that last week or last time he had won a game, didn't well, we? I don't think, I don't think there's a deadline it, on are, it. Are we going to talk about this? <laughs> the deadline. I don't think – are we going to be talking about this in a month? Oh, they said he couldn't do it. The more You he, do this – if he goes to the Super Bowl, that's when you bring it up once again. Okay. But I, well, I, it gets a little tiring to hear he didn't, they said he couldn't do it. It was make it or break it. I'll bet you know a lot what? of people aren't tired of that because it just shows how people are wrong about – the local you don't care about the local kid if he succeeds and proves people wrong i do <laughs> hey the uh the, the great thing about tua tonga vailoa is that um you know they went out and made all these changes for him i wonder if you he gets criticism because i mean is there a better receiving tandem in the nfl than jalen waddle and tyreek hill not right now no no there no, is none no, right no no and you know gasicki is as a tight end is no slouch Got a touchdown so yesterday. You might, and um, you know, if they could get a running back, ah, sorry, but they improved I, I, in that area from last year at least. Yeah, I'm just uh, Raheem Mostert. Woo! But as Salman as, Ahmed. Woo! But they improved their roster from the year Chase before. Chase Edmonds. Blah. You know, Christian McCaffrey's not walking through that door in Miami, and they just there weren't great running backs available so they got i think some pretty good Christian ones Christian McCaffrey's improve. not walking through that door that doesn't Another make sense. word uh, just, don't you, well, just No, you have to say a former person on that team. You don't have to. 
I think he, he was on the trip. <laughs> but again, of all the running backs that they might have been able to acquire, I, th- I think they improved themselves there. I can't remember who that run- the yeah. running back from last year. I think it was, uh, might be in New England. They 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 didn't have anybody good running game last year. They really they were one of the worst running teams in the NFL. I think thirtieth or thirty first somewhere around there. The rushing well, part numbers. of that was the part of that was the offensive line yeah, too. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I just I just I see sexiness all over the field. They've got a sexy defense. I don't see sexy running backs. No, no, but I think it's adequate or average. But I think one thing also, just to get back to Tua for a second, we know injuries are part of the game. We know what he missed during that stretch. And the, the game he got knocked out, they lost. Think of how what they would be, what their record would be if he wasn't injured at all. And, again, I know that's part of the deal. This is a really good football team. And I think when they lost those three in a row, people were maybe doubting that they could be a playoff team because now you're 500. How long will Tua be out? Will he be showing any effects? While he's back, he's Was not this showing last any year? effects. Was this last year again? No. I'm talking about when he missed the two and a half games with a concussion. And, Mm. you know, they lost those three. And you see what they're doing Are we doing they proved them wrong again? No. I'm just saying. I I fell asleep for a second. Saying how good this team is. This is a very good football team. I'm not sure. They already beat Buffalo once. I'm not sure if they're going to win that division because Buffalo still only has that one loss. They'll play them again in Buffalo. But this, I think I'd be really surprised as long as two is healthy if they don't make the playoffs. I think they're definitely a playoff team. Your turn. Really? You think the Miami Dolphins are a playoff team? Yes. You know, that's what people tune in for, hot takes like that. I, you know, oh, Gary, I, I, think, I think the Bills and, and the Chiefs are playoff teams this year. Well, I think you're comparing that with Miami? Really? Yeah, really? Miami That's Miami is one of the best teams in the AFC. If you've got or if you've got somebody who's going to rival the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, there's no question it's the Miami Dolphins. I think there are, no, I mean, the game is really slowing down for him. People okay. said he couldn't do it and he's proved them wrong. I think you have other teams that are going to be comparable. Your sports talk bores me. When you have a Baltimore or Cincinnati, maybe, maybe the Chargers, but Miami is. <laughs> you say the Chargers? What, can, you say that, Chargers? can you say that again again? Can you say that again Chargers? in the same way? Chargers? Yeah. You're talking Chargers? We're talking yeah, the, playoff teams in the, the AFC? The team you predicted to go to the, the Super Bowl. You predicted the Chargers in Denver in the oh, AFC Championship game, I remember. The Chargers. Why? How'd the Jets do? They lost. <laughs> I like your expressions. Today. Hey, you, you know what? You know who I feel really bad for? I I feel Don't so bad it. for the what? The Detroit Lions? Oh, okay, I thought you were gonna say somebody else. Our Detroit Lions? Yes. Yeah. Our adopted team this year. I feel every every game they lose by three or four points. Well, they lost twenty nine nothing to New England, but besides that, they've been close games. And uh, Dan right. Campbell again says, "I know people are going to get tired of this, be saying it, but I think we're really close." But they, they lost what five in a row right now, and uh, one in six. I, I thought they'd be better than this. I really thought I didn't think they'd be a playoff team, but I thought they'd be much you know improved. What? I think they are much improved. I think they're a, they're they're a better than their record. Yeah, so yeah, you say better uh, yeah. than this, you watch the game and go, this is, pretty, yeah. this is not a bad football team. They're not, you know, like the Texans or some of these other, other guys, the Jets of the past. You know, yep. that's not they, – they, they're they're much be- – they're the best one-in-six football team I've ever seen. They almost beat Miami yesterday. I mean, they came close, and that's you know, it's kind of sad because I thought, again, not maybe in a playoff spot, but be improved, and they are better than their record shows. Uh, Man. See some of the, they did have a number of close <laughs> losses, as you mentioned. There is so much to go over the NFL – and uh, let's let's uh, put a pin in that. Uh, coming up, uh, John Marks from WIP in Philadelphia. He's going to join us 
in about 20 minutes as we get ready uh, for World Series game number three. We didn't get to go through our headlines today. I know. Anyway, so our headlines, Tua and Marcus, great games. Uh, World Series game three today, uh, first pitch at 2 o'clock. And then, uh, of course, University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors fall to who did we play against? Wyoming. Wyoming. We lost to the cow pokes. Uh, we'll uh, get on that. And I didn't think that uh, I was, I don't know, for some reason, maybe it's some kind of complex I have. It's like, uh, you know, we, it seems like we care more about these trophies than the other teams. I don't know. They were pretty happy to run around that field with that Paniolo trophy. They sprinted across. I didn't know what they were running to at first. The way they sprinted across the field to get that trophy by the left side of the UH bench. And we'll be, uh, <laughs> we'll I thought it was going to be in the end zone at first, but it was in the bench area. We, we got to get a traffic check. We'll be back and get into it next on ESPN Honolulu. University of Hawaii falls to the, uh, you know, uh, pretty good uh, Wyoming team. The level of competition went up, and uh, Hawaii falls a touchdown short, but it came down to that onside kick at the end of the game. We almost had the onside kick. Who knows if we would have, you know, actually uh, tied the game up after that. But uh, as they say in Sports Talk Radio, it was fun to watch. It was. Well, it wasn't, that fun to watch it. It wasn't that fun to watch in the fourth quarter, but those first three quarters, that was fun to watch. <laughs> and Hawaii did have a 10-0 lead and it didn't last very long as Wyoming ended up outscoring them uh, 27-3 on that one stretch there. But you, Nelson, almost had his hands on that onside kick. It re- re- uh, deflected off of a Wyoming player and it was on the ground. He stretched his arm out, and I guess I don't know if somebody held his arm back or the Wyoming player was just too quick for that, but it was that close on the odd side kick. How about this for something that I don't think was mentioned Saturday? Wyoming had the reigning offensive player of the week in the Mountain West. Titus Swen with the running game the week before against Utah State, 160 yards and I think three touchdowns. 14 carries for five yards, I believe it was, something like that. He did nothing. Now, DQ D- well, James did a really good job. Gary, but... Gary, he got hurt. That's why he didn't do anything. I didn't I didn't hear anything, but he thought when he, when he played yeah. then, he didn't do anything. Hmm. But, uh, boy, he, that DQ, what was that guy's name? DQ, DQ James. Woo! He was good. <laughs> he torched us. He torched us. 
He was something. He, he was the real deal. But this is the team again. They ran for a lot of yards, three sixty-five last week. They ran for three thirty. It's a good. It is a, like you said. It was a major upgrade from the first three opponents Hawaii played in the Mountain West. And I really felt confident in that first half. The way Hawaii was playing, Shager had a good start. There's something about this team this year. They start off pretty well offensively over the last what five, six games now. Five games going back to New Mexico State on offense, mm-hmm. and the second half has not been kind to them offensively. Well, you know what? It's Coach's fault. I gave Timmy Chang a play, and he did not follow up on that as promised. I told him to run the button hook. (laughs) The button hook. I did not see a button hook in that game. Me either. Perhaps. you got to try the button hook. Couldn't have hurt couldn't have hurt uh, but it's just weird about their offense and again Shager's had pretty good first halves for the most part our first quarter you know, and a half but I don't not think the he did half. for some reason he was just sailing that ball and I think it was because of the rain I think that but maybe I don't know if he he has you know smaller hands I, I don't know but he um was it Kenny Pickett is it Kenny Pickett that has small hands yeah I believe so yes 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 you see, that's the problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> they have a small-handed quarterback. But Shager kept a lot of those balls, you'll remember, were just sailing high. Now, really high. There was, there's a good article in the Star Advertiser this morning. I'm assuming it was by Stephen Sy. I didn't read all of it, but he was going over the stats. And his stats have gotten better uh, before he was, he was an interception machine. I forgot or d- didn't remember that Braden Shager was hurt a little while ago since healed and uh, trans- his touchdown to interception ratio i think is like six six touchdowns two interceptions he's not turning over the ball no but he's no. not completing a ton of passes to his receivers and for some reason last night he kept sailing that ball over him towards the end of the game he took off and ran a couple of times i think to get first downs that's what i'd like to see more uh, a little bit more out of shaker if nobody's there just take off if nobody's there, it's, I don't know if you can have some designed runs for him like you may, might have for Shevin. Uh, no, I'm just saying if nobody's there. I'm not yeah, saying yeah, to, yeah. to make him Marcus Mariota. I'm saying that, hey, you know what? It, it's okay to run. Take off and run. Get out of bounds. His ball, Timmy did say the weather probably had something to do with the ball sailing high the way they did. Because a lot of those incompletions were like you said, really high and overthrown. Uh, but I just don't understand and why the second half, again, has been like that offensively. Now on defense, Timmy brought up, and again, this was in Stevens' article today, saying about the, the lack of depth on defense, which causes maybe the defensive players to get a little fatigued toward, in the fourth quarter of some of these games. Because every team, well, not every team, Wyoming, Colorado State, uh, San Diego State, they've had those drives at end of games, or in the fourth quarter at least, that have really hurt Hawaii, where they're not really you know, succeeding as much offensively throughout the first half, three quarters maybe. But in the fourth quarter, every all those teams have been able to put together a drive where Hawaii's defense all of a sudden basically wasn't able to stop them the way they did previously. Yeah, the, uh, the the quarterback for Wyoming, he was a pretty good runner too. Peasley, yeah, uh, he, had, he was really yeah. good. Andrew Peasley. Um, you know, not a great passer, as we suspect, suspected. 7 of 15 for 76 yards. Those two interceptions by, you know, you look at the uh, the stats. Peter Manuma, he had five tackles. Are you kidding me? I thought he had like 15. He was always around the ball. I mean, Logan Taylor did great. Yes. But he was, he was around the ball the whole time. I mean, it was, you were thinking, okay, wow, gosh, I'm, we're going to miss him after this senior year. The guy's a kid. He's a freshman. Yes. There's a number of freshmen on this team 
that uh, are you know are going to be with us for a while, and that's what's make that's what's exciting. And I think you've got to be exciting if you're a cowpoke fan because their offensive line with well, their offensive line all freshmen and sophomores something, something like that. They're very young. That that, very young. that team is a very young team, and boy, they can uh, they they can't really throw the ball, but they sure can. They play smash mouth football, and by the fourth quarter, it took its toll on Hawaii. We got smashed in the mouth. It took it, it, it took its toll. Took its toll. It did, and you know their defense was I think fourth in the country in sacks, like with twenty five. They only had one. And that's another good thing about Hawaii. They're not getting sacked that often. They're not getting sacked. They're not turning the ball over. Three games in a row without an interception, I believe it is now. Uh, so I mean, that gives that give them a chance. Right. Is is around now where you say something that somebody said in the preseason? No, it, uh, I'll save it for later. <laughs> Everything ready. <laughs> People said that they couldn't. You know what? This is great, though. This is look at us. You know, some folks are probably going to be really upset listening to this broadcast because I'm celebrating a 27 to 20 home loss. Uh, Hawaii now one and three in conference play. We could, you know what? We we could be four and zero. We could be three and one in conference play. I know it's a down year for the Mountain West Conference. But think of a think think back to New Mexico State. You know that's the only thing that that I regret. That's the only thing that makes right. my stomach turn a little bit. Is who were we against New Mexico State? I could see the losses. As you know, you get you start late with recruiting, and you've got you know a um, first year head coach. Your assistants are all you know young, except for the offensive coordinator, and you you come out and look horrible. And you improve week by week by week. And so, you know, listening to fans' voice, I didn't listen to a ton of it. Listening to other people on the radio, it's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And it's like, hey, you know what? I didn't think we were going to beat Wyoming. I was hopeful, especially in the third quarter when it was a tie score going into the fourth. I was hopeful we were going to pull one off. Hey, we didn't. But our quarterback, instead of, you know, 8 for 25 and 125 yards, two touchdowns, you know, zero touchdowns and two interceptions, now we're looking at 23 of 45. Those sound like, that sounds like a run and shoot number. 23 of 45, 200 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And you've got a running back, uh, you know, 145 yards between Parson and Hines. It was a coming out party for Tylen Hines. And Diedrich Parson had, you know, three receptions for 48 yards. Parsons has 78 yards on offense with a touchdown, yes. Hines uh, averaging almost 10 yards a carry. I'm celebrating that. Sorry, folks. I'm celebrating it because we're getting better and better and better as the season goes on. There's talent on this team. And for Hines, again, I say every game it seems like he breaks one for 20 or more, and he had a 20-yard gain on Saturday. Boy, is he tough to bring down for a guy that's not very big. He gets a lot of, not yak, I know, but, boy, he has like two or three guys on him, and he gets an extra four or five yards. He did that numerous times on Saturday. Yeah, you know what? Chemo just texted in. Great. Uh, I should have wrote this down. This is great, but too many drops. Zion Bowens had way too many drops. Way too many drops. So that made Shager's numbers look even worse. Um, but there were a number of drops, and a number of them were on Zion Bowens. When it hits you in the hands, I don't care. That's yeah, a drop. I, I don't know how many. It was a few. Remember, you also had three, the pick six. Three, three, three. 
the pick six was taken back on a roughing the passer call, which I don't think affected his pass. So they were kind of fortunate to escape that seven nothing, uh, that seven point get gain. Yeah, that's college that. football. That's college football. You see that more in college than say in the NFL and stuff. You know, mistakes or hey, you know what? It was it, it got whatever. Uh, um, I don't know, a big sack, fumble, scoop and score, and you find out. Oh, well, it was a face mask. Bring the ball back. You see that right. more in college. Anyway. Uh, well, let's get into the World Series. Game three today on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, the series tied one-to-one. John Marks from 94 WIP in Philadelphia joins us next on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, fantasy football players, not everyone can score 171 points in fantasy. But, you know, if you'd like to get close and be in first place in your league, then uh, listen to the fa- Rivals Fantasy Football Show Wednesdays at 8 o'clock in the morning here, brought to you by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld a sight. I knew it was a, tenor, it was a matter of time. Tanner Hayworth. Yes. Good job back in the studio. Happy Halloween. My wife and her pals are going to dress up today as M&M's. The candy of the singer. Uh, they, they <laughs> I never thought of it. No, the candy. Uh, she's like an M&M in a tutu. So uh, everybody there at the uh, TD Food Group, look out for the M&M's in the HR department. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman here on ESPN Honolulu. John Marks joins us now from 94 WIP. In Philadelphia, good morning. How's it, Brada John? How are you? What's up, dudes? Aloha. Aloha. John, good to talk to you again and following you on Twitter at John, J-O-N, Marks Media. One of your earlier tweets said it's Victory Monday in Philadelphia. Eagles win again undefeated, and the Phillies coming back with Game 3 tonight, 1-1 in the World Series. I know you were down in Houston. How surprised were you that they were able to pull off the Game 1 victory with that comeback? Uh, you know, it's weird. They, they, they did the same thing in, in San Diego, and then you get greedy and you want to win game two, and when you don't, you're kind of disappointed. But the bottom line is if you get one of two on the road, now you have three games at Citizens Bank Park. Phillies are 5-0 this year in the playoffs. Game, but you know, this might go 6 or 7. Both of they can't win all three games here at home. I wasn't surprised. Uh, this is a good team. Even in even in the loss on Saturday night, they battled back from down five nothing, and they had a couple opportunities to get it close in the seventh and eighth inning, and they just drowned in double plays. Or there was a, a ball that looked like a home run off the bat that they ruled foul, and it was foul from Kyle Schwarber. So this is going to be a tough series. The Astros have excellent starting pitching. The bullpen's nasty. We know their lineup's great. Phillies are resilient, and when you look at those teams that may not be the most talented teams. A lot of people have made you know made everybody aware if they weren't aware that the Astros came into the World Series undefeated after sweeping the Yankees, but the Phillies come in nine and two. Uh, somebody on our show last week said they thought maybe the layoff would hurt their momentum from Sunday to Friday, but apparently it did not. Talk about the, the momentum they had because I don't think people really again it's a sixth seed expected them to win where they were the visiting team in St. Louis and Atlanta and San Diego the way they really won those series convincingly. Yeah, um, I, I do think being in that short wild card round helped them, 
especially against the Braves, because the Braves had a really long layoff, and it, it seemed like when the Phillies got into that series, you know, the Braves were feeling the layoff, and the Phillies were on the ground running. So I think it really helped them in that series. Uh, as far as this series, the, the, the Astros and the Phillies both had the same amount of time off. So I don't know, I don't know how much of a difference it, it made. I certainly was ready to, to, to get back in the playing. would have been nice if the series started on Wednesday, but it started on, for, on Friday for both teams. Um, but when you look at some of the, the teams that have won World Series that came out of the wild card that didn't have 100 wins or didn't have 95 wins, the Braves last year didn't win 90 games. They won the World Series back in 2011 when the best team in baseball was the Phillies had 102 wins. The Cardinals got hot at the end of the season. And they ended up winning the World Series. So, I mean, really, the Phillies are kind of playing with house money, Gary. I know they're they're in the World Series, so there's obviously pressure. But the Astros are the ones that are supposed to win this series. The Phillies are here. No one expected the Phillies to be here. So, I would expect them to continue to play loose and carefree, and with not a not an F in the world, and just go out there and try to beat them because you know, they, they certainly have the confidence to do it. We're talking with John Marks. He's uh, calling in from his shower, it sounds like, or the Hirano Tunnel, I'm not sure, from uh, 94 WIP in Philadelphia via the Aloha Kia Hotline. And we talk so much about Bryce Harper and some of the other great hitters, Kyle Schwarber and everything, but not a lot of people are talking about Rob Thompson, the manager. And he was the interim manager when he first got hired when the uh, Joe Girardi was fired. Does how much credit does he deserve, and are people giving him enough with what he's done with this team to get him this far? Well, I hope this, this sounds a little bit better, Chris. It um, does. Thank than, you. Uh, the Holland Tunnel. I don't know what was wrong, but the- <laughs> um, I'm actually on the Schuylkill Expressway, and Gary's been on the Schuylkill Expressway before. I, it makes me want to drive into the into the river, into the East River, in New York. But, um, but as far as Rob Thompson, the manager, when he took over for Joe Girardi, he was twenty one and twenty nine. The Phillies were twenty one and twenty nine, and I remember Ken Rosenthal, Fox Sports, and the Athletic, and some other people that that had kind of like smug comments of, well, "What's firing Joe Girardi going to do? It's still the same team. It's still the same bullpen, uh, et cetera, et cetera." And I think what we've, we've learned about sports is that sometimes just a different person in charge or a different voice in the clubhouse or whatever can change a lot of things. And it became pretty clear right away after Joe Girardi was let go that this is exactly what, what they needed was just a different voice and a different tone and a different feel. Because Rob Thompson, they went from 21 to 29. He finished up right around 20 games over 500 as far as the manager. And now that we've entered the postseason, He's really pressed on Like, every button he takes the press, he's been right on with it. You know, they used Ranger Suarez, who was originally supposed to be the game three starting pitcher. They used him in a relief inning on, on in game one because they had a high leverage situation where he needed to come in and get out of the, get out of the ninth inning. Otherwise, he may lose game one. So now that pushes him back again. But he got the one in game one. So Thompson has a real knack right now and has a really good feel for his team. And he keeps pushing the right buttons. And it, it seems like that they're going to need to be almost perfect in everything that they do to knock off the Astros. Thompson's been a big part of it. 
Game three in Philadelphia tonight, Noah Syndergaard, Lance McCullers for the Astros. And I was listening to game three against the Padres a week ago on our station, and they were ta- the broadcaster was saying they've been broadcasting in Philadelphia for over 20-something years, never heard a crowd that loud and that intense. I would imagine it's going to be more of that tonight. And with tickets going for no less than $1,000, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere at the link, uh, not at the link, but at Citizens Bank tonight. Yeah, and so there was also a little incident with the Astros, and this hasn't gotten a ton of national play, but their starting pitcher in game three was really going to his wrist and his hair and his neck, and he was wiping substance off on his pants, and there's other videos (laughs) that are out there. Go go figure the Astros would would toe the line of cheating. And then their starting catcher in game one was using an illegal bat. Right. The bat that he got from his story was from Albert Pujols, and it was the barrel was too big. He wasn't permitted to use it. Um, so expect a lot of the Astro cheating stuff to be brought up in Philadelphia tonight. It is going to be a raucous atmosphere. Uh, I would agree with the, the broadcast that said it's probably the loudest it's been. You know, it, it's, it's been 11 years before this year that the Phillies were in the playoffs. That was the longest run in the National League, and. I kind of think 07 through 11, Phillies won five straight NLE, and it was sold out in a great atmosphere. And there he goes. Hey, John, thank, we, yeah, thank you for joining. I wish we could have gotten into the Eagles, too. Great time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. John, take care, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, John. He said thanks. Okay, <laughs> John Marks and uh, I was a uh, John Marks Media is a great follow on Twitter. John or is a partner Ike Reese on the radio, but uh, that is one of the more celebrated uh, radio talk show hosts in the country. Spent a little time at Hawaii Pacific University, graduated from Temple, and yes. uh, is uh, you know in one of the big markets making the uh, the big market dollars, and uh, you know he's gotten awards and things like that. Damon Bruce is another guy who comes yeah. on the air that is very well respected. But anyway, uh, John joins us via the Aloha Kia hotline. Aloha Kia. See ya in a Kia. And again, we'll have game three. We'll have every game of the World Series on ESPN Honolulu. And it'd be easy to say whoever wins this has an edge, of course. Philadelphia at home for three games in a row. And, you know, again, people thought Las Vegas and thinking that the Astros were the better team, more experienced. The Phillies don't have a lot of experience in the playoffs, although tonight's starter Noah Syndergaard started the game for the Mets, but that was seven years ago in 2015. This Phillies team is not a team of destiny, but they're a team that has surprised so many people with these three victories in the NL playoffs, and then coming back on Friday in game one, down 5 nothing to Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander, who had an ERA under two, I think he let up three or four of those five runs. Uh, before they wanted an extra inning. This is a really good Philadelphia Phillies team, and it's not just Bryce Harper who's doing what he normally does. A lot of bats are coming alive in these playoffs, and they just seem to be a team on a roll right now, and I think they're going to give the Astros everything they can handle. I thought the Astros would win. I was pulling for them, but I can't count the Phillies out the way they played these whole playoffs. All right, who's hot and who's not? Who's hot and who's not from the weekend? Coming up on ESPN Honolulu, if you want to catch the Rainbow Warriors uh, on the TV uh, this uh, weekend, now Hawaii is going to, who are we playing? Fresno State Ooh, on the road Saturday. Ew. And Hayner's Fresno back. Sta- Jake, yeah, good. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, Hawaii and Fresno State, uh, you want to catch the game, join the countdown to kickoff crew, Josh Pacheco and Coach Arnold Martinez at Big City Diner. Which one? I hear Windward Mall this time. Big City Diner, Windward Mall. Catch the game with the guys and uh, get those Omega Modelo's. Uh, Modelo drafts, uh, 32 ounces, just $7. So um, uh, check it out. Big City Diner, Windward Mall. Brought to you by Dio Tani Produce, Coca-Cola, Paradise Beverages, and Modelo Especial. Oh, we could go into how Halloween's not what it used to be, but I'll save that talk. <laughs> when I go down to play bingo, hopefully win that big uh, pack of toilet paper and a <laughs> can of Pringles. All right, who's hot and who's not? I'll start. Who's hot? University of Hawaii. Um, University of Hawaii defensive back Peter Manuma. I can't believe he only had five tackles, a number of hurries, a sack, a couple of interceptions for the University of Hawaii. He gets my uh, helmet sticker. Who's your hot for you, Gary? Oh, boy. I just want to give credit where credit is due. When you have a winning streak like this, you deserve all the credit to be listed as who's hot. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. They've got a winning streak now of one. Congratulations to the last winless team, and, boy, are they hot beating Denver yesterday. What a celebration (laughs) they had. All right, Tanner Hayworth, who's hot? I'm going to go with Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. Now, they, Oh, my goodness. As a freshman last year, he was stellar. This year, he has been held a little bit quiet, but that's mostly just due to the depth of Georgia. Yesterday, or on Saturday, he had five catches for 154 yards and a touchdown. We already know how good this guy is. I just want to make sure that everyone knows Brock Bowers is going to be a name that we're going to be hearing for a lot, a lot of Sundays. Yes, I mean, this guy looks like – I've never seen a tight end play like this guy in college football. Never have. Unbelievable. That catch that he had along the sideline, unbelievable. All right, who's not? I'll start. Uh, DJ Moore. <laughs> DJ Moore, the Carolina Panthers uh, um, receiver, he gets a touchdown pass, then takes his helmet off on the field, and uh, they call him for a penalty, even though – there was a, somebody else did that in the NFL in the same time, and it wasn't called a penalty, but they called it on DJ Moore. They moved the kicker back. He misses the extra point. They go into overtime. Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons prevail. DJ Moore is the first one that came to my mind this morning. I have a three-way tie involving the number three, so it kind of fits together. And the number three comes into play because – Tampa Bay, 3-5. and five. Green Bay Packers, 3-5 and five in the NFL. They're both not going to the playoffs with those three wins. And, of course, Zach Wilson with three interceptions. Neither of those three are hot. They are not. All right, Tanner. I'm going to go with the state of Oklahoma when playing the Kansas State Wildcats because first we see <laughs> Kansas State take down then number six, Oklahoma, 41-34 to in a really great win for them. And then this week, we see Kansas State take down the number nine Oklahoma State Cowboys, forty-eight to nothing. Woo! <laughs> At least he's a man, but he did get beat by forty-eight. <laughs> All right, you know the, I should mention that uh, Tanner was uh, mentioning. Tell me what you told. Uh, say on the air what you were telling us off the air about the DJ Moore situation. Oh yeah, so with the DJ Moore situation, Tony Dungy, who is one of the guys for who is one of the more prominent. NFL analyst. He sure. was also used to be a coach, if you don't remember. Um, also, used to be, also used to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Right. So with Tony Dungy, he actually tweeted out. Yeah, I know. He uses Twitter. 
uh, that he, when talking with one of the uh, lead uh, referee, the rules analysts for, I believe it was Sunday Night Football, they said uh-huh. that should not have been ruled a penalty for DJ Moore taking off his helmet because he did not do it while on the field of play. He was out of the end zone, and he stepped out of the end zone, took off his helmet in celebration. And there was also, but there was, and I can't remember what game I was watching. Maybe it was Green Bay. Ah, I forget. A guy got a long pass towards the end of the game, and he uh, he fell down around the one-yard line, you know, and, and maybe it was Atlanta. I forget. Anyway, and so he was like, yeah, I'm taking off my helmet, and I'm stopping back to the uh, huddle. Like, look at me. I'm the man. And that guy was clearly on the field. No penalty called. I would be upset if I was DJ Moore. Not only because he lost the game, but a lot of people put that on you. Made a great catch off of a great throw to get that in position. But, yeah, it's almost like a three-second call in the NBA. You don't have to call it every time or a foul at the end of a close game. You're not going to let but, that decide a game, but it happens right. in the rules. But it so. was wrong call. But it, no, it was a wrong That's, call. If you're uh, off yeah. the football field, you can take your helmet off. He was off of the field. He was in the back of the end zone. Anyway, that ref should apologize. Uh, somebody else just uh, texted in uh, who's hot and who's not. They're saying, unfortunately, the Golden State Warriors are not. Three and four. Top stories coming up next with the, with the sports animals. See, it's a, that's my Halloween thing. Uh, that was my scary voice, kids. Uh, top stories coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, one of the greatest songs, one of the greatest uh, examples of plagiarism in music history right there, the Ghostbusters song, Ray Parker Jr. This is ES, you have a funny look on your face. What, uh, how was it plagiarized? I, how, how... They, they, stole the, they stole the riff from um, Huey Lewis and the News, Power of Love. It's the same song. <laughs> but they just went, Ghostbusters! And went through a lengthy court battle. Ray they, Parker Jr.'s got to pay up. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I now remember that. When they time for the our Ohio headlines scene. here on ESPN Honolulu and uh, the University of Hawaii falls to the uh, University of Wyoming. We lose the Paniolo Trophy. We'll get a chance to get it back next year, twenty-seven to twenty. Really, I think we, it was a smash mouth game. Hawaii, you know, they're they're uh, you know um, pretty even through the third quarter. And I think those that they just smash mouthed us. Fourth quarter, they opened up the running game, and we just couldn't stop them. It looked like we just need more depth on defense, maybe. I think definitely so. And it's unfortunate that some of these teams have been able to run the way they have against Hawaii. But the defense, I still think, played a pretty good game overall, forcing the turnovers and uh, not allowing them to pass. It's just that, again, you get those big runs here and there, and there were a few big runs for Wyoming to add to their, to give them that total of 365, which is a crazy number. They had a 74-yard run and a 61-yard run, mm. and that'll do it. All right. Also, a uh, big day for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. He puts the Dolphins back into really looking like bona fide contenders in the AFC. I think they definitely are. I mean, 382 yards. Just, even though Tyree killed it and scored a touchdown yesterday, he had 188 yards, and just him being on the field opens it up for so many others on this team. And it didn't look 
pretty early in that game because they were trailing Detroit a couple of times, but they ended up winning it 31-27, and now we're right back in that race. And what a difference Tua has made with this team. Every time he played, you see what this team is capable of. Now, the Atlanta Falcons are 4-4. Four and four. Marcus Mariota, though, brings his team in an overtime win uh, to a first, first place in their division. Not the best division around, but, hey, first place is first place, baby. It is, and you you know you got to give them credit for a team that wasn't predicted to win much. And this division is not very strong. I think they have a chance to make the playoffs. But Marcus, uh, just celebrating his birthday two days ago, turning 29 years old, NFC Player Offensive Player of the Week two weeks ago, having a pretty good year so far. All right, and breaking news: uh, Auburn has fired former Boise State football coach Brian Harson, and uh, just two years in. He gone. Nine and 12 record, no surprise. We've heard from so many people that he will be fired by the end of the season. I guess Auburn figured why wait. And I remember reading over the weekend, when you lose to Arkansas at home for Auburn, that's it. That's enough to fire him right then after everything else that's gone on there. So. Yeah, but Arkansas is not Arkansas from, you know, five years ago. I guess it's just that Auburn at home always beats Arkansas, and well, they didn't on Saturday. Yeah, and they've had a hard time. They've, You know, they need to go out and pay somebody like they did Cam <laughs> Newton or something. You know, just get back to that. How about Bo Nix, though? He transfers from Auburn. He had six touchdowns on Saturday, three running, yeah. three passing. And it's weird to watch because he was struggling it after his uh, freshman year. He was kind of struggling at Auburn, and uh, boy, that whatever they're doing in Oregon, and even even started out, I think a little slow this year, if I'm not misremembering. But boy, he looks like a, you know he looks like uh, what's that guy's name? Hendon Hooker. Yeah, for Tennessee. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. look that good. And Auburn, I, I wonder. I'm sure they'd want to attract a big name. They've got the money. Uh, Brian Hartson. I'm not sure if he'll be a head coach for his next game. Probably a coordinator somewhere first. Did not work out there hey, at all. Well, you know, Boise State has picked it up. I mean, there's no reason to fire their their coach. Their, Boise is what five and zero in conference play. Yeah, yeah. But if they were doing, if they weren't, you know, I don't know. They, Brian Harson did pretty well at Boise. He did, but he, he didn't do what Dan Hawkins or Chris Peterson did. They didn't go to any, you know, BCS well, type bowl. You mean he didn't do what Chris Peterson did? Dan okay, Hawkins. Okay. Dan Hawkins didn't really do anything. Dan, the, the smartest thing Dan Hawkins ever did was hire Chris Peterson. Because that okay. was all Chris Peterson. Okay, and then you look at Auburn, remember, I mean, uh, uh, boys, you remember Dirk Cutter is out after the season. He's not going to be the offensive coordinator next year. He said that uh, when he first took the job. It's an interim thing for him. I don't know if Harson would want to be a coordinator there at Boise, but uh, he'll, he'll get Is a he an somewhere. offensive guy or defensive guy? I believe he's an offensive guy. So why is Dirk Cutter like, I'm only doing this for a year? He just didn't want to be the offensive coordinator. He, I think he was more of a consultant for them, an offensive consultant, if I'm not mistaken, before getting this job. And then when they fired the OC, mm. they just asked him to do it for the rest of the year, and it just worked out really well, but he said he doesn't yeah. want to do it long term. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's going to be the uh, head coach or offensive coordinator for Auburn. <laughs> yeah, would well, that be ironic, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is uh, seven minutes after 7 o'clock. It's going to be uh, mostly sunny today. Trades up to about 20 miles per hour, high in the mid-80s. It's a beautiful day today. John, thank you for calling in. Hey, I'm uh, really happy for uh, how well Marcus Mariota's doing down there in Atlanta and also Tua. But yes. Marcus is the one I was worried about because I thought that uh, that team didn't have any weapons, and I thought he was going to be running for his life the whole year. But uh, it's kind of turning out a lot better. But uh, one other thing I thought about yesterday, St. Louis High School has two starting quarterbacks in the NFL. How many other high schools can uh, make that claim? 
I've said that a few times in the preseason when they knew Marcus was going to start. I can't imagine anybody's ever had that before. Yeah. So, so well, I'm I wonder the answer if, you is know, none. they got modern day. Yeah, but it's, I'm sure that uh, that's quite a distinction for the uh, St. Louis guys uh, running around. But uh, I, I was uh, really happy for the way uh, that Marcus is doing. So, Tua. I mean, they never lost a game that he started this year, so I'm really happy for both of those guys, and uh, I always root for the Hawaii guys in the NFL. Uh, Unlike Gary. Have a great day. Thank, <laughs> hey, you too, John. Thank you very much. Technically, they lost that Bengals game that he got knocked out of, but earlier I was saying, and I'll, I'll repeat it, uh, what they said on the – was it the NFL Network? Is that what I was saying you earlier? You said that earlier, yeah. Yeah, that, that they've never lost a game. They have a big span of, of – they're like seven and zero, nine and zero, something like that, and games that Tua Tagovailoa has finished. But uh, people are call- texting in for who's hot and who's not. Still, here's one. Here's somebody who's not hot. Michigan State football. I've never seen. You know what is it? This is two weeks in a row where Michigan is in a tunnel. First of all, there's a dust up with the coach or somebody. That, Somebody's throwing peanut butter sandwiches at the players in Jim Harbaugh. I don't remember who they were playing last week. Penn and State. then the, this past, yeah, this past weekend, they the Michigan State and Michigan rivals. Let's have them enter. Let's have them enter the tunnel at the end of the game together. There's a good idea. That's been a problem. That's what James Franklin said the week before the Penn State head coach. But they've got to change that. I don't know why they would continue to do that. It's a big stadium, and I'm sure it's been built like that, but they've got to change that never to have two teams go out together, especially after a conference game rivalry. Right. That's stupid. So what I was getting at is, if and I'm sure everyone's seen it already, but uh, they, you know the Michigan State players upset. They lost 29-7, to I think the score was. And so the uh, the Michigan State thugs, they get this guy, and they cat, they corner him and start kicking him. You know, he's on the ground. They're punching and kicking him. Now, four players, Tank Brown, Kari Crump, Angelo Gross, and Zion Young, have been suspended. But it was grotesque. Why are you suspended? Now, they're in, still investigating. I don't know what there is to investigate. You you, you saw it on video. See if there are what charges else you in- filed. What's that? The police are investigating to see if they're going to file charges against They them. should. They yeah, should. They if should. I'm that kid, I charge. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Send them to jail. That's what you get. You want to learn something in college? Learn that you can't just team up on some guy and, and um, gang fight him. <laughs> that, that's not a part of football. Where did you learn that? that it was grotesque. It they was. Should, these kids should spend some time in jail or at least have this on probation. No excuse for Th- it. There's no excuse, but, you know, when I saw another, a couple of videos that have come out since, I mean, just really the main one showed enough, but number one, the guy from Michigan, he was running around jumping in the air, and I just for some reason imagine he was kind of taunting them. The way he was gesturing with his arm, he was celebrating the win around he, the only Michigan player okay. around a whole bunch of Michigan State players. Now, I'm not saying that excuses the Michigan State players for doing what they did, but he might have instigated this problem by doing a little trash talking. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Well, I think it matters a Does, little. No, I don't think four guys bang gang up on a guy no, on the ground. No. You're kick, you're kicking him in the ribs over and over again. No, I sorry, agree. of course, of course sorry. Of course not. I mean, the, but okay, so this has happened twice, right? Well, no, last Penn week wasn't the, was, was was it wasn't the same. Wasn't the same thing. Was Penn State? Uh, was that at Michigan as well? Is that the big house as well? Yes. Okay, so um, Ron Franklin, Frank Franklin, what's his name? 
John, the uh, coach for Penn State, he has James a point. Franklin. He has a point where he's, you know what? If you're the if, if you're the visiting team, hey, game's over. Chill out for two seconds, or let the visiting team run in first, and then you guys, you know, sing your alma mater, and then uh, go ahead and uh, run into the uh, afterwards. It's this is stupid. Is. What's going to happen next? Now, is there a problem with Jim Harbaugh? Is it something that these Michigan players are instigating? Like you said, this guy was celebrating amongst, you know, both teams were in there, but this guy was celebrating amongst the uh, the losing team. The video that what, they, I saw last night showed just one Michigan player in that hallway, which led to nowhere, they said, where the fight took place. But he was, like, jumping up in the air and celebrating. Uh, all he saw was about seven, eight, nine Michigan State players and one Michigan player. So that's right. why I have a feeling he was saying something as well as gesturing. Right, but there was a number of coaches that were still there from Michigan. You'll see him, uh, the, the player, go to the Michigan coaches and kind of take him under the wing and get him yeah. out of there. Yeah, yeah. So there, right. there were people. It's obviously that Michigan probably had gone through the tunnel still. This guy came in late. Maybe he was doing a radio or TV interview, whatever it was. I, I don't know what it was, but it doesn't matter. Right, it right. was, you know, there's no place for that kind of stuff in college football. Now, if I'm watching hockey, which I never do, or I'm watching the NBA and a, a fight breaks out on the, uh, you know, uh, breaks out on the court, hey, it's like a train wreck. I'm like any other guy. Hey, let me watch this. Very interesting. Whoa, did you see that? You see those guys beef? But not like this. No. This is sickening. This is the kind of stuff you see on the streets, and it's, it's, there's no place for it. it. It was awful. It was awful. And, again, Michigan to get involved twice. Uh, I mean, I think the first incident was Well, they've been the James victim Franklin. twice. Well, no, not not the week before. It was James Franklin who was complaining about them. No, no, no. But Michigan has been... Okay, the Michigan, who was Michigan, it, who was throwing the peanut butter sandwiches? I don't remember who was throwing. I just remember James Franklin was getting harassed as he was leaving the field on the week before at Michigan. No, no, in the, the tunnel there was a dust-up. That dust-up was with uh, against Jim oh, Harbaugh. Yeah, that was Franklin and Harbaugh, yeah. Right, so that's but what I'm saying. for the fans to get involved, I mean, it was, it, was Jim, it was James Franklin who was doing the complaining about the fans for that game. Oh, I didn't hear that. What was he complaining about? The fans the, weren't in the tunnel. What were the fans well, doing? Well, I'm not sure if they were throwing stuff or verbally abusing him or whatever, but he was complaining about the fans <laughs> and the fact that both teams were leaving in the same tunnel. They were verbally abusing him. I was verbally what what opposing team doesn't get verbally abused by well, fans, especially well, in all, football when you're running into the tunnel. James Franklin was complaining because he was verbally abused by the fans. Well, it depends on what they're saying too. They're saying you stink, boo, and stuff like that. That's one thing. If they get personal and say something, that's a little different. There's there is like, a big difference. Yeah, but I don't know that you're hearing that stuff anyway. I, just, I don't want to go down that road. All right, anyway, uh, big winners and big losers this past weekend. Christian McCaffrey and the San Francisco 49ers, big winners. And they keep on beating the Rams in the regular season ever since Jimmy G has been there. And Christian McCaffrey throws for a touchdown, runs for one, and catches one. Yeah, when healthy, he is a difference maker. Now they may be going to trade their other running back who is starting, Jeff Wilson Jr. But Christian McCaffrey, what a game yesterday. 94 yards rushing and did it all. Did it all for this team. All right. uh, We're going to – John Venary is going to join us next. We'll get into more Rainbow Warrior football on the uh, uh, touchdown loss to the one touchdown loss to the Wyoming Cowpokes. That's coming up here on Halloween. By the way, 
Uh, Halloween that we celebrate today, also known as Hollow's Eve, the Feast of Souls, ew, the Feast of the Dead, Hollowmas, Hollowmas, <laughs> I've never heard these, November Eve, today is November Eve. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I got some uh, Halloween fun facts, too, we'll do in a few minutes here. On ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. This is a great Halloween song. Because it says, when the morning comes, which means present tense there at night which is spooky and it's halloween wow so another reach happy hollow happy feast of souls gosh that sounds so eerie all right joining us now via the aloha kia hotline at aloha kia you know a guy at espn honolulu we know a guy john veneri how's it john good morning on this hollow's eve how are you guys well, you're doing well. We're curious. What uh, costume are you going to be wearing as far as your favorite Star Wars or Star Trek character tonight? I, you know, I just hate the fact that Halloween is on a Monday. I'm just, I just, I, I might boycott the whole thing. <laughs> I want, I want, uh, I want Halloween to be on the on the last Friday of October. That's what I want, and so I might boycott tonight and uh, and just and hand out candy. I don't know. <laughs> We'll I have a strobe light in my. I'm gonna have a strobe light in my garage. I'll play some scary music, but I haven't decided yet. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be like a uh, like a Jedi, like a dark, like a Sith, a Sith Jedi or something. I don't know. Wasn't there a movement a few years ago to have Halloween on the last Saturday of October? Maybe it was the Friday. I mean, I'm sure a lot of kids would like that. A lot of people would probably like that. The only junk thing about the Saturday is then then I wouldn't be able to enjoy it because I like to go trick or treating too, and usually because we have a football game on that day. So it's like unless they plan on doing a bye week on on you know on uh, Halloween, then yeah, I doubt that'll happen. Okay. So well, let's talk about the football game this past Saturday. Once again, Hawaii gets off to a pretty good start, ten nothing lead, and it seemed like the first yeah. quarter they've done pretty well. Unfortunately, they weren't able to maintain it. What happened during the second and third quarters and early fourth for Wyoming to get that 27-3 to run? Well, I think they, you know, we, we were afraid. We were afraid uh, that what has been happening in the second half started happening a little earlier this week. And it was the breakdowns and, the, you know, and, and the execution. Hawaii faltered a little more in the second quarter than we've ever seen them. And, and you, you just let a team that gets moment that, you know, that, that thrives on momentum, uh, get the momentum. And let's let's be real clear too. Wyoming's not a bad football team. They're six and three, four and one. They're looking at a bowl game, possibly bowl, you know a bowl game possibility, and they're still very much in it in the conference. So, yeah, they got a lot to play for, and and Hawaii just continues to struggle. And I think that's um, that's exactly what we're seeing. Another, this is a team that's trying to put together stuff, and then just just can't seem to put together four quarters. Oh, I did have a, a good first quarter again, but this time they they did not have a good second quarter, and they lost the second half. 
One of the bright spots I thought on Saturday was Tylen Hines. Again, he's getting better and better week by week and had more yards than Dedrick Parsons, more carries than Parsons. And again, it seems like always oh, breaks like a 20-yard or longer run. And not the guy that's really tough to bring down. What did you see in Hines on Saturday? Well, I mean, I've been a fan of Hines since the very beginning. You know, his run against Michigan and completely ran away uh, from the entire secondary proved that he's got speed, uh, you know, top tier speed in Division One college football. And he is definitely a guy that you want to, as shifty as he is, as quick as he can jump around at the line of scrimmage to find an opening, he is definitely a threat to any defense. However, I think Diedrich Parson uh, is, it provides that one-two punch. I mean, Diedrich Parson, it, you could go to either one of those guys and, and have big weeks. And so Diedrich Parson got his chance last week. This week it was Tyler Hines. And, and uh, it's nice to know that you could have a one-two punch like those guys. But to average, you know, over nine yards a carry, that really showed a lot in Tyler Hines' performance. John Veneri joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline, talking University of Hawaii football. Braden Shager, again, had a pretty good start, didn't have a great game overall. And people are bringing up, I mentioned one of the articles I read uh, yesterday or today, that, you know, he came off the injury, learning the new offense. I'm not saying do we give him a pass, but is it is it more understandable with some of his struggles in games with everything he's had to deal with? I mean, I think, I think that could be said for the entire crew. I mean, you know, they learned an offense uh, in, in Ian Shoemaker, that offense has been slightly tweaked uh, to add things. And we know that they added a lot with you know in the beginning before the season start started. The the install of the offense was was extreme. There were a lot of things going on with that offense, and then they started to tweak the offense um, and, and add some run and shoot concepts. So there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to you know to read, and <clears throat> you know these guys aren't full time football players. They're students too. So. I mean, it, it takes a little while, and and so when you're when you're saying we got to be a little bit patient, I mean that goes true for not just Braden Shager, but for the entire offense. I believe that that our patience needs to be a little more than just, uh, for lack of a better term, skin deep. I mean, these guys are trying to learn, uh, you know, every day, all week, every week throughout a 13, 14 week season if you add the bye. And so it ain't easy. And while we would like to see the changes happen in front of our eyes um, and, and be a little more immediate, it's just not going to happen. That's just not the way it is. And so there's a lot of changes that I think that will even be made this week. They'll continue to make changes to try to get better. It's not like they're going out there trying to lose. Braden Shager, he's got the most to read and see, uh, and he's also trying to read defenses, but he's also trying to read his receivers. And so – if they're not entirely on the right page, then, you know, then it, then it of course, is going to fall back on Braden Shager. And, and it is, uh, you know, it's, it's not entirely his fault. It's, it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. We see Zion right. Bowen. He's not, he's, not, he's not dropping the passes either. So I think we should mention right. that as I well. Mean, there, absolutely. There you go. Okay, we have Zion Bowens come in in the New, uh, New Mexico State game. It looks like he's been playing really well, really helping this offense. We hear Jonah Pinocchio's coming back, hopefully for the Utah State game in a few weeks. And then one of the players yeah. who joined the team after the first month out of Canada with some transcripts or academic yeah. things, Nicholas Senecal. I know he hasn't got a yeah. lot of playing time. That guy looks like a talented receiver as well. Yeah, good observation. Uh, you know, I was, 
I was just having a conversation about him this morning. I, I think Nick Lucenical does provide quite a bit on the outside. He's definitely a, a guy to watch. He's got some height. He, he's he's lanky. He can go up and catch passes, and he's he's really not afraid to go inside and catch a pass. But I like here's what I like about about him the most is he comes back for the football. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's been some times where uh, guys are just sitting and waiting, and it's been either knocked down or falls short. And that happened again this past week, whether it's the rain or a slippy turf. You've you got to come back for the football. You've got you to gotta make a break back towards the, Once it's in the air, if you're not coming back for it and waiting for it, somebody else is going to be coming back for it or trying to get to it. So you've got to go get it and then make your break after you catch it. And so I really like the way uh, uh, Nicholas Cynical does that. He goes after the football and he comes back to it. Uh, Zion Bones is another guy who, who does a remarkable job of that. I just don't, you know, Zion only had four catches. Cynical only had four catches. Uh, DJ Parson, however, did a pretty decent job. And while, you know, this is something to note, while Diedrich didn't uh, perform admirably in the rush, the run game, I mean, he had 12 carries for 38 yards. He did have a pretty decent uh three receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown for Hawaii in the receiving department. So he's a double threat. But I do like, um, you know, Zion Bones, the way he catches balls. Even Tamatoa uh, Atimalala, he, you know, he does a good job of running what a lot of us know as run-and-shoot routes. You know, those slant routes, out routes, he does a great job at catching those. So there's still just a lot to learn and a lot to put in, and I think we'll see a lot more, ch- a lot of changes in the offense in year two under Timmy Chang just very difficult to do it mid-season or even a quarter of the way through. When you look at the defensive side, I think a couple of players have really stood out over the last month or so. Peter Manuma, two interceptions on Saturday. Looks like this yeah. guy, I know people said he reminds him of Nate Jackson. I've heard that comparison a few times. Still a freshman, so he's got so much time left. And then you look at Logan Taylor. I know he's a senior, again, leading the team in tackles once again. I don't know when mm-hmm. Isaiah Tufango is coming back health-wise to get cleared, but how could you take Logan Taylor out of that starting lineup? I mean, I, I don't see how you can take him out either. But, um, you know, Isaiah Tufanga was named the starter for a reason. Obviously, he's hurt, and it would, it, would, it would really suck to think that if there are people out there that are thinking, hey, we don't, you know, we, we hope he doesn't come back because Logan's so good. But you've got to find a way to get Logan on the field, um, you know, whether it's uh, as a Sam backer or, or uh, you know, rushing on the edges. I, but he is definitely a guy that can see – he can see an offense at the snap of a ball, and he reacts so quickly. And that—that's what accounts for you know him doing uh, yet again. He had—he had more solo tackles than than the next guy had the total tackles. So wow. he's you know with 13 tackles, he's just a guy and a sack. Let's not forget he had a sack too, you know. And so he's—he is providing uh, some of that stuff up front at the line of scrimmage that allows. Quarter, you know, guys like Peter Manuma to, to, to come away with a couple of picks because if you look at some of the plays that that uh, Wyoming ran at the time that Peter was able to, to intercept, like, like, for instance, the first interception, he was all alone. Quarterback was pressured into throwing that way quicker than maybe he wanted to. Yeah. And I think that that has a lot to do with those guys up front, Blessman Ta'ala, uh, Tui Po, and Logan Taylor even getting through. And, and that shows and is a great example of how somebody that play, that's playing fast and playing strong up front can disrupt an entire second level and third level on defense 
and, and really confuse an offense or make you do something that you shouldn't be doing or, or don't want to do. And that was a good, a good case in point with Peter picking off two balls. I thought it was great. It was awesome. John, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you on TV and hear you on the radio uh, next weekend. Thank you, brother. Thanks, John. I appreciate you guys watching. Thanks, and go Bows. Hopefully we can get a win in Fresno. Right on. That's uh, John Veneri, play-by-play for University of Hawaii football on the Aloha Kia hotline. At Aloha Kia, see ya in a Kia. And uh, you know what? It's it's all positive at this point. You know, I, I still think if we get a win, that's great. And, you know, you want to win more for the psyche of the players and the coaches to be rewarded after working, you know, their butts off all week and, uh, you know, playing their best for four quarters. But, um, you know what, I've still seen improvement from game to game. Everything, it's just that New Mexico State game kind of was just a weird one-off. But they've been improving game by game by game, and that's what we're really happy to see. And happy to see some of these developing young stars. Like you talk about Nick Senegal. I think he was playing on special teams as well. But He's a kickoff at, returner as well. Yeah, one of the kickoff returners. you got Senegal, and you're talking about Logan Taylor. Can he be a super senior next year? I'm not sure. I know there was discussion about that. Um, and then these receivers. He's got a lot of guys that uh, you know haven't been able to play, like Pinocchi. And, you know, Shager will get there. He's not there yet. And if he doesn't, he gets beat out. But if you're questioning, as they were in the uh, Star Advertiser uh, article this morning, you know, that Timmy Chang has to reassure everyone that, hey, you know, Shager's our guy. Look, it, it, you know, I don't know that Joey Yellen, you know, if you're calling for Joey Yellen to jump into the game, remember, Joey Yellen's not getting a ton of reps in practice. All of the concentration is set on getting Shager ready. So... I think it's 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 not smart to call for another quarterback. Let Shager continue to develop. I mean, he's not throwing the ball. He's not throwing a. Um, he's not uh, uh, giving up a bunch of turnovers or anything like that. He's your safest guy at this point. Let's get behind him. The only problem with Shager is I don't know if you've noticed this. Is it just me, or has somebody got to brush his hair out of his face? <laughs> I think it's just you. You notice that. Come on, you've noticed that. Um, I haven't really. You, you, you brush your hair back or, you know, put a little one of those little beanie caps on that people wear and then put on your helmet. It looks like his hair is in his face, like it's, it's in the way. That could be the problem. I could have solved the problem right there. Why is he overthrowing the ball? Well, it's not wet. His hair's in his face. <laughs> you've got all the answers. Play calling, well, haircuts. I don't, I don't have that problem. <laughs> You're fortunate. Right. Hey, uh, University of Hawaii football against Fresno State this Saturday. Join the countdown to kickoff crew Josh Pacheco and Coach Arnold Martinez at Big City Diner Windward Mall for the game. You'll, uh, you can enter to win a trip for two to Las Vegas from Vacations Hawaii. You can get Modelo Especiales, the Mega Modelos, 25 ounces for just $7. Enjoy the game, win some prizes, have some fun, fun, fun at Big City Diner. Big mahalo to Paradise Beverages. request for monster mash happy halloween everybody it's chris hart and gary dickman here on espn honolulu by the way some uh, fun facts for uh halloween the michael myers mask in the film halloween was actually a magic shop mask of actor william shatner as captain kirk in star trek the film's uh, production designer spray painted it white 
cut out the eye holes to make them a little bigger, and, well, the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. Uh, by the way, jack-o'-lanterns, they used to be carved out of turnips, potatoes, and beets. <laughs> I guess those were too small, and they just went to pumpkins afterwards. But uh, happy Halloween, everybody. Hope you're having a good one. They should have Halloween as just the last Saturday of every uh, of every month. Not every month. That'd I be mean, better uh, every October. I mean, every year. Sorry, at the end of October, have it the last Saturday of every October. And it's not like we're going to forget. You don't forget when Thanksgiving is. Right. Think exactly. It would be. It would be better for families. It would be better for retail stores. It would be ready for better for nightclubs and bars. Better for everybody. It would be a win-win. I, I I don't think football would be the reason you don't do it, but I know right. some people might not love it. And then you, you're not running into obnoxious co-workers with their Halloween costumes at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As my wife goes to work in her Halloween costume yeah. today. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good point for sure. All right, 808-296-1420, our number. You can call in or text the Zephyr Insurance text line. Talk a little bit more about University of Hawaii football. I know we've mentioned the names already, but when I look at this running game, I am so impressed every week with Tylen Hines and Diedrich Parson. Those guys seemingly get better and better. Again, for, uh, for Hines, his first 100-yard game, uh, and he was just explosive. What a great tandem they have. Yeah. You have to credit the offensive line when you talk about these two guys. It's not all the offensive line, obviously, but every time you mention a running back, you mention this offensive line. They they deserve the credit. They do that. I think they've done a really good job, again, letting up just one sack on Saturday. We're talking about the offensive line is another aspect, but for a team that's number four in the country or was number four, the offensive line has done well. They've been mixing and matching here and there. Solo Vipulu gets a second start of the season, probably going to play in two of the four remaining games, and that's it. Yeah. But they've had, they, they haven't had the offensive line well, intact. Right. Yesterday, Blessman to all his brother had to play center. Maurice, yeah. He did that a little last year. Right, uh, but, but what I'm getting at is he's your third option at center. Yeah. So that they have been, uh, not really rotating, but putting guys in, plugging them in when needed, and they have done a good job. The passing game, again, we know it's not where we want it to be, even though we've seen glimpses here and there. Zion Bowens has had a couple of long touchdown passes. It's getting better. But you look at the running game, I just, these guys are so explosive. And again, every game with Hines running one for over 20, Parson, you know, his running game is really good. Even when he's having an off game, he's getting 70, 80 yards. And then he had that middle screen for his first touchdown catch. Yeah, that was as great. A that, was a, that was a great play call. It that was. was a it was a great play call. Um, talking about some of the other play calls, I thought that, um, and no one's mentioned it, or I haven't seen it. I thought we, you know, we got in the red zone and we tried to get too fancy, you know, settling for field goals. And because instead of just going, you know what? Here's a guy that's running for nine yards to carry. Here's another guy who is just a workhorse up the middle. We got a great offensive line, and we're working on halfback whatever throws. And, you know, it was – they didn't work out. I mean, you saw Dior Scott kind of run around for his life and then right. kind of heave the ball up. It was – it was – it was – I think we got a little ahead of ourselves. It's not who we are, I think. I think that it's with those running backs that you talk about – this is a great situation to keep running the ball. Maybe an option. Maybe, you know, something like that. But I thought a couple of, a few times, more than twice, we hurt ourselves with trying to do trick plays, and they didn't even come out close to being good. Yeah, the one I, I remember that didn't work out, I was really surprised at it, was I guess it turned out to be a lateral, not a forward pass to L. Manning. Uh, around the 10-yard line. He got back oh. to the line of scrimmage, but there was no – I don't think he was going to score from 10, 11 yards out like that. You know that what? Was surprising. He, he kind of got tripped up. A guy kind of half hit him, 
and he fell. He lost his balance. I think that he would have gotten closer. I mean, he, he caught the pass and started running forward, and then a guy kind of chipped him, and he, for whatever reason, you know, he's not a runner. He kind of lost his balance. But um, I think that was that was just kind of a freak thing. But, again, I don't know that you need to do that kind of stuff there. Uh, me too. Me too. I thought that was kind of a little bit questionable. And they went forward on fourth and six or seven, right around the 45-yard line, and they threw a little out pass. It was like for a two- or three-yard gain. I don't know if that was the first option, but it was going to be tough for that play to result in a first down. Hawaii's actually done a pretty good job on fourth downs this year. You know, the, uh, the last game at home, the right. Nevada game, I think they were 4-4 four for four and 4th. Right. That's why I don't doubt that play. You're at the 45-yard yeah. line. You're at, is their 45-yard line. It's one of those ones where, okay, do we punt and hopefully pin them back? Or, you know what I mean? If we turn the ball over here, it's not the worst thing, especially when looking at how bad their passing game was. Third down conversions might not seem like a great percentage. It was 6 of 17. That's about 35%. Maybe yeah, that's 36. not good. Not but, good. But... It's not good in itself, but, but the Hawaii average two weeks ago was 26% on third down. So it right. looks like they've gotten a little bit better. I know it's not the number you want to be at, but That's at least one it's one or two proof. more. That's not you, – the, the, the sample – it's not 33 out of 100, you know, and it, this is a very small number. That means with the number of first down, you know, one or two maybe more, that's not that big a deal. I think it could be, though. I mean, that could, that could, that could uh, extend the drive or extend a couple of drives. And you don't get a yeah. ton of drives, so I think it can like, make a difference. I maybe, but at the same time, you know that you need to be up around forty percent. Yeah, Plain you want to be simple. higher than thirty-seven or thirty-six. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to celebrate. Hey, we're at almost thirty-three percent for a game. Well, I'm going to celebrate because they've gotten better. Yeah, it is, but I'm not celebrating it yet because you're not quite there yet. But I understand. And just trying to get some of the positives out of this game. And Fresno State, unfortunately, for, maybe unfortunately for Hawaii, they, have, they do have Jake Hayner back uh, for coming off the long layoff, and I think Hawaii would have had a much better chance. By the way, Fresno State is favored by 23-and-a-half over sure. Hawaii. What an opening line. I, I mean, I guess well, I can understand that with the records. but I, You know what? I'll take Hawaii right now. I'll take Hawaii in the points. I, I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't even seen Fresno. But this is not a team – this shouldn't be a team that loses by more than three touchdowns on the road. Granted, it's on the road. We haven't done well on the road. But I'll take that. I'll take that right now. I would probably, too. I think more part of it, if not a lot of it, is because Jake Hayner is back. I have a feeling it wouldn't have been that high at all without him there. And healthy, of course. So, mm-hmm. But that was a little surprising there. Yeah. Yeah. Hawaii- Jake Hayner. Jake Hayner. Meet Peter Manuma. Enough said. <laughs> Boom. I hope huh? so. I hope so. I hope so. It'd be nice to surprise people and get a win. And I, just for this team, it looks like they were really making progress, and they still are. But one of the great ways to make progress is to get a win. And they've had some hard luck. Their three conference losses by a total of 13 points. Uh, and even though the wow. Wyoming game, they got that late touchdown to make it a seven-point game. They've been in all these games, which, again, is something you didn't say in September. And New Mexico right. State, as you said. So that's one say area that, of improvement. Say that staff again that you uh, regurgitated the, from the somebody la- else. The three losses in conference play for Hawaii, the three losses are by a combined 13 points. Seven, so that would four, be and two. San, San Diego State. Help me out. San Diego State by two, Colorado State by four, and Wyoming by seven. Man, that's so much different than, uh, different than Western Kentucky and New Mexico State. Uh, hey, we're on the right track. Love it. Love it. L-O-V-E. Love it. It's 747 with the animals here on Halloween on the Bobby Curran Show. 
And uh, if you're looking to catch Monday Night Football, oh, my gosh, who's playing tonight? Cincinnati and Cleveland. Ooh, rivalry. All right. Cincinnati, uh, Bengals and Browns fans, head on over to Dixie Grill in IAEA because that's your headquarters now for Monday Night Football. You can catch the game and score 32-ounce Bud Lights for just 6 bucks. Plus, they give you complimentary popcorn. they got great poo-poo over there. And then after the game from 7 to 9 p.m. tonight, you can win prizes because it's also Trivia Night, hosted by Geeks Who Drink. That's at uh, Dixie Grill and IAEA. Go on down and put some south in your mouth from ESPN Honolulu. monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did the mash he did the monster, did the monster mash. mash yeah rock into the crypt kicker five hi it's the sports animals going to the zephyr insurance text line at 808-296-1420 every monday now we like to do who's hot and who's not here's one what's not hot <laughs> who's hot and who's not Here's a knot. The Carolina kicker, who not only missed the 48-yard extra point, but also missed that short kick to win it in overtime. Is that not hot? Thank you, Hank. Yeah, that was that poor guy. Eddie Pinero, I believe, was a kicker who was really bad for the Bears a few years ago, kept on missing kicks as well. He's been a journeyman, and there's a reason why. Uh, let's see. Uh, we were talking about the uh, grotesque uh, beef in the tunnel at uh, Michigan. And uh, Eddie uh, texts in, said there's no room for four-on-one because they're like four-on-one guys kicking the player in the ribs in the, in the, uh, while he was on the ground. He said, but there's no room for taunting as well. Thank you. Um, on that same subject, it's a rivalry. Trash-talking is normal. The assault isn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they get arrested. And um, I think there's a lot of people that want them to get arrested including Jim Harbaugh, has come out a couple of times since Saturday and said that. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody was swinging a helmet at one of his players. I mean, that's I didn't oh, see I the didn't video that. on that, but wow. Harbaugh said that. And one of wow. his players might have suffered a broken nose, I would imagine, as a result of that. Again, that's Harbaugh saying that, but that's you know that's even more you know severe, of course, if they do something like that. Come on. Yeah, we got another text. No excuse for Michigan State football players. Those players that beat up the Michigan guys should be suspended for the rest of the season goes on to say gary so the guy who was happy that his team won gets beat up and you're blaming him I, i'm not so much blaming him i'm saying i can understand i'm not i'm not excusing what michigan state did but you if you're if you're running into a pile or not a pile but a whole bunch of opposing players and celebrating like that five feet or less in front of them well you're kind of asking for trouble what do you expect them to do go yeah good game see ya no you got to do celebration like that right next to them come on Again, he didn't deserve what he got, but I can understand why they reacted like that, even though it was wrong. I think if you're going to smack the guy, you do that. But when he's on the ground and you all start punching and kicking, no, you don't do that, whether he's trash-talking or not. Of course not, yes. Talking about uh, uh, who's hot and who's not, you know who's not? The Green Bay Packers. That's what I said. Yeah, I have them. You listening, Pacheco? (laughs) They are not a playoff team right now, that, not at all. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure, misses Devontae Adams. Patrick Mahomes probably doesn't miss, miss Tyree Kill as much. But uh, Aaron Rodgers in that offense, wow, they're just not a good football team. And they went up against Buffalo, of course, but still. 
This is not a playoff well, game. Tua, Tua can beat Buffalo. Why can't they? But yeah. they're not as good. Yeah, there you go. They're not hot. Game's really slowing down for Tua. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. I just It's just some of these cliches that people use when they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, it amuses me. Um, we were talking about uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, who, by the way, has uh, is number one in QBR in the NFL. Uh, another guy, a very surprising quarterback, uh, number four in QBR. A guy said Gary always says it's bad, he's horrible, he sucks. And that's Geno Smith, number four. By the way, Mar- Marcus is number six in QBR in the NFL out of all those quarterbacks. And uh, we got a text here. It says credit goes out to Coach Vince Pappas, uh, Gesser, Arsenal, Chang, Howe, Mariota, Tongavailoa, Cordero. Yeah. But he doesn't live in Hawaii anymore. Oh, really? I thought he moved to Las Vegas. Oh, I didn't or know is that, he but... just doing a lot of work in Las Vegas? Well, he had anyway, Delora. Didn't he have Delora as well? Uh, yes. And uh, thank you for your text. We'll do more coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Happy Halloween. Also, Russell Baxter uh, on the NFL in about 20 minutes on ESPN Honolulu. It's a morning of breaking news on this Halloween with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. Auburn coach and former Boise State headman Brian Harson, you're fired. Be nice to have a job where if you do get fired, they pay you an incredible amount of money to leave and not work there anymore. Fifteen point five million dollars is his parting gift. What else? Well, well, you also get seven and a half million of that within thirty days. Woo! Within 30 days. And we were earlier going like, I wonder where he can work. Can he do this? And it's like, why work? <laughs> yeah, I know. Why do it? I know. It's a great job go, to co- have. Go coach a high school somewhere and enjoy your life with stress-free. Uh, also, this just in, a Stanford student has been suspended from serving as their tree mascot. What is going on? I hate it when that happens. I mean, I, I didn't hear this story until uh, recently, but uh, not good news there for the Stanford tree, which is a weird mascot in itself anyway. No, it's not. How do you have a tree as a mascot? What do you mean? No, it's not. Well, ask anybody at Punahou. Our, our mascot was a tree until they, they now have an O with wings on it, but that's our mascot. Nothing wrong with having a tree mascot. I don't know. What's, really... your, what's, your, what's the mascot of your New York high school? Uh, we were the Warriors. Going to put them down? Yeah, very original. <laughs> yeah, I know. Warriors or Tigers? Let's I know. go mahogany. You're the Warriors or Tigers? No, I'm, just saying those are the, I'm just saying war- you said very original. I said like Warriors or Tigers. Tigers is a very common nickname as well. No, it's not. It's not? Have you been out lately? How many warrior- How many Tigers do we have in Hawaii? I didn't say in Hawaii. I just said all over. I meant all over. I don't think you're paying attention. By the way, the Stanford tree, he got suspended because he, uh, he he ran onto the field unfurling a banner that read, Stanford hates fun. 
and Stanford said, that's right, you're fired. <laughs> I guess Tanner was mentioning that they, uh, they, were, they were breaking down on, uh, they were cutting down on on-campus parties or something like that. So, you know. Still a weird way to get fired, I guess. University of Hawaii falls to uh, Wyoming over the weekend, of course, 27 to 20. Next up, the Fresno State Bulldogs. Only four games left in the season now, and you look at it being November starting tomorrow. Uh, we are in the home stretch. Unfortunately for Hawaii, they will not qualify for a bowl game. I don't think there's a way to get in oh, if there's not enough bowl eligible teams because this team would, even if they went out, which I don't really think is going to happen, I don't think they're going bowling this year to answer some people still wondering about that. Wow. Expert take there from Gary Dickman. Doesn't think Hawaii is going to a bowl game this year. Thank you very much for that. Tua Tonga Vailoa, big winner in the NFL yesterday. Marcus Mariota. Brings the Falcons in the first place. That's a great their statement there. Yes, uh, four and four. It's, it's a headline. It's a headline. I guess it is. Uh, so far, so good for Atlanta. They're surprising so many people who thought they'd win two or three games, and they still got. They had a close loss to the Rams. They lost in the last few minutes by four points. This is a better football team than anybody gave them credit for. From Miami, I'm glad they're showing how good they can be. Of course, when you get a Tyree kill. In addition to what they have with Jalen Waddle, it makes it a little easier for Tua, but he is just playing fantastic football. It's like watching him, almost like watching him at Alabama. You know, it is. Uh, you know, they have an okay running game. You know, I mean, it's not a sexy running game, but they get the job done. They've got the weapons and the receivers and the tight ends. Um, they've got the offense, the offensive line. They went out and improved that in the offseason, and their defense is their defense. They're in the beginning of the season, their defense actually won them some of those games. But now that Tua's been out and he's kind of, uh, you know, shaken off the rust from last year, I mean, Tua is in full swing. And that just, you know, that offense, they've catered around at Tua Tonga-Vailoa. It's almost like he, he didn't have the support with his former head coach, did he? No, Or not his like ownership. Right. Or the owners. Hey, let's go out and get Tom Brady. Who would you rather have this year, Tom Brady or Tua Tagovailoa? Enough said. Easily, Tua. Though Brady did lead the league in passing yards going into yesterday, but yeah, I'd rather have Tua. Not only today, but long term as well. Yeah, he leads in passing yards because uh, they're probably playing from behind. Yeah. The, yep. the Dolphin. I'd rather have the quarterback who's most efficient, who's leading the league in QBR, than throwing for the most passing yards. Ryan Fitzpatrick used to throw for a lot of passing yards. Didn't he have like? 1,200 yards in three games? What did that yeah, get them? Right, Unemployed. Right. Yep. Passing yards doesn't mean anything. And for Miami, they got the Bears this week, so you might as well pencil in another win. Yeah, okay. So the Bears, please, can you stop wearing those orange uniforms? It doesn't look good. <laughs> Who do you think you're impressing? Look in the mirror before you leave the locker room and, and go back and change. Right? Is it just me or no, is it stop? Yeah, I mean, if you wear them once, you know, I, can, I, I don't like that either because a lot of teams have that alternate jersey that they wear the color rush on Thursday yeah. night that they did a few years ago. I like the old traditional uniform. The NFL uniforms are kind of cool because of the history, tradition. Well, some. I think some, some should go. I should, some should go back. The New England Patriots. Sorry. I like the Mosi Tatupu, uh, you know, Steve Grogan uniform. I like yeah. the red. I like the guy playing the, the center. I, I like that. I, I like. I like. I like uh, Tampa Bay. I'm. I don't know if I'm in the minority. 
I like Tampa Bay's creamsicle uniforms. I love those uniforms. They're beautiful. I, I like them, but I love the, what they have now. I think that's great. Although the, maybe the worst uniform I've seen in the NFL, and I'm being honest, are those mustard jerseys that your Steelers wore. Looks like they were prisoners from the 1930s or something like when that. Did, they don't wear those anymore. They but, haven't worn those in a little while. Okay. Those are the worst. I mean, those are the worst ones I've ever seen. They did. They look like yeah, something out of an old movie. Right. That's an alternate jersey, and there. I I believe a couple of years ago they said that they were retiring them. But when you when you have if it's like if you're the Chicago Bears, you're the monsters of the midway. You don't change your uniform. With the Lions going all gray, they wear their all grays. That's okay because they're just so bad and they haven't been good in in our generation's memory. But if you're the Chicago Bears. The Yankees wouldn't all of a sudden come out in an orange Yankee uniform, right? You know exactly. I mean, you wouldn't get if rid of the pinstripes for the third uniform if you're the Yankees. If you wanna, if you want to increase, you know, revenue by merchandise sales, here's a thought: fire your GM and go out and win some games. People will show up to the games. <laughs> That'll help. That'll That'd really just, help. <laughs> I'm no expert. I'm just saying. It's, uh, okay, hey, guys, Zephyr Insurance text line, open for you now, 808-296-1420. We were wondering about Logan Taylor, and, yes, I heard what I heard is correct. Thank you, Chemo, for the text. Logan uh, Taylor is listed as a senior, but has one more year after this season, so he still can be a super senior. I Again, I've said this before, but with the players – that are coming back next year, or even the players that some of them are leaving that are seniors. I wish this team had a chance to have a full, full offseason, a normal offseason. I'm not making excuses, but I think this team would have played so much better. And, again, we're seeing the improvement. We like a lot of things that we've seen. I think the future looks brighter than it did a month or two ago and even in the preseason or offseason. But I wish some of these players had that extra year. I'm glad that Logan Taylor does have that. I think he's just going to have another fantastic year after what he's done since replacing Tufanga. He's been unbelievable. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Thank you for the text. This one says, now that we are out of the running for a bowl game, would love to see those true freshmen who are pegged to red shirt get an opportunity to get experience in the next four games. I don't know. Okay, if you do that, are you giving up? I mean, if you're – I think you also – I mean, some of these seniors, all of a sudden you're going to take L. Manning out and just say, hey, sit down for – we got another left tackle. We want to give him some experience. I don't know that you do that. I I think that you you play – you play to win the game. Totally. And I know Timmy was asked that and called the coach a few weeks ago. And kind of said, you don't. He still wants to win games. He'd love to see these guys get some playing time, but not at the expense of losing games or not yes. giving his team a better chance to win. So yeah, you, you're not going to just bench some of these guys because of that. I mean, if you get the bowl game, you get those extra practices for those young players, but that's not going to happen. Still, I think in football it doesn't work like maybe other sports where you can have a guy or two, you know, get some playing time. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, you're it not going to ta- you're not going to tank to get a first round draft choice in college. Yeah. You you want to win some games so that you can get recruits and go, hey, they're turning this thing around. I'll be a part of that. Yeah, no rewards uh, for losing. Daryl, thank you for texting in. This is What's Hot and What's Not Monday with the Sports Animals on this Halloween. And here's one. Oh, I forgot about this. This should have been one of our headlines. The Raiders are not. What's Who's hot and who's not? Raiders are ice cold. Daryl says it took them 58 minutes of the game. To cross the 50-yard line, losing 24 to nothing. You know what? I think Brian Harson would do a better job with the Raiders than uh, what's his name? 
Josh McDaniel, I don't know if he's going to get fired anytime soon. But oh, you got to. Well, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett supposedly was going to get fired if they lost to Jacksonville yesterday, the Denver coach. But the Raiders, not much better. Not that better at all. Denver is having a better year than the Raiders. I mean, to get shut out, uh, that's hard to do in the NFL. And it's been a while since they shut out. you got Devontae Adams and Carr. you got Josh Jacobs. I think Josh McDaniel, who took all the blame, which means nothing, but he, you know, he's smart to say it, I guess. He right. is not helping this team at all. Not yet. Has he ever been successful as a head coach? Well, for Denver, he made the playoffs with Tebow and beat your Steelers, but that's about that's it. He won one playoff game. You got to give him some credit yeah. for that. But other than that, okay. nothing. But aren't you expecting more than a lucky pass at the end of a the coach? He won a playoff game with a lucky pass at the end of a game to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it was it was that was it's you're gonna this guy's gonna get job after job after job because he was Brady's OC because he was Brady's OC. I know, but maybe maybe Brady made McDaniel, not McDaniel making Brady. Oh, sure. And I, I've heard, I remember learning this in college, something called the Peter Principle, which means when somebody could be great at their job and you, you promote them to a higher up, and they're not. They're just only as good as they are at that one job. When they move up a step, they're not successful. I think Josh McDaniels is proving that. You learned that in college? I actually what? did. I, I learned that what? in a business class. I remember because I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, we learned that in like eighth grade. Oh, sorry. I didn't go to Punahou like you. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, but you are the you went to the home of the Warriors. But I remember The Wantahai Warriors. That's right. I remembered it, too, about the Peter Principle. But it, I think oh. that's part of the deal with Josh McDaniel. I just know if he... Why is it called the Peter Principle? I don't know how it got its name. I don't know. They the... didn't explain that to you in no, college? I, no, I don't think that was the big picture. Looking at the big picture, that didn't really matter why they call it that. It's more important what it means, what it signifies, and how it comes into play too often. Yeah. All right. 808. I'll keep believing that, Gary. 808. Well, tell me how, how it got its name. Come on, big guy. Come on. I have no idea. I'm just joking. <laughs> Should have just made it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would have believed it. A guy, a guy named Peter named Johnson. Peter. <laughs> yeah, Peter Johnson came up with it. <laughs> no, I didn't learn that in eighth grade either. I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm, giving, I'm trying to give you But doesn't that come to play for some coaches? We've seen that with college coaches going to it the NBA It goes like that in time. life. It goes like that yeah, in life. Yeah. That's why it's something they actually teach in college. You could say that happened with uh, Greg McMacken. Although Greg McMacken did have a great staff of uh, assistant coaches. Yeah. But you could say that happens with Norm Chow. Oh, yeah, perfect example, perfect. And speaking of Halloween, that was his last game. Remember when he coached Air Force, and they lost rather decisively the next day he was fired, but Halloween was his last game as a UH coach. All right, folks, keep the text coming in at 808-296-1420. Russell Baxter is going to join us on the NFL coming up next. He's an NFL historian and a founder of websites and things like that. It's very cool, very good guest. A couple of more texts. It would make sense for the Stanford football team to have a tree as a mascot if their name wasn't literally the Stanford Cardinal. LOL. He's making it funny. Yeah, I know. But but they're not the Cardinals. What do you mean they're not? Is this something they're they're not called the Cardinals? Well, that's their nickname, the Stanford Cardinal. Right. And they're not named after a bird. No, no, I, no, I know, oh. but that, but is, that is their. That, that was why it was a funny joke he's mentioning. They're okay. named after the color. And um, John, oh Gary, don't say guys because this is all Gary. John Fox was the coach during the Tebow years. Hey, Josh McDaniels oh. coached him in that playoff win against Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know, Tanner. John, Tanner, get your facts straight, Dickman. Come Tanner, on, come on, Tanner. I know he's going to verify uh. this. 
Is Tanner still there? No. Uh, okay, left. we'll save our other one. Oh, <laughs> the, um, we we're talking about the brawls in the stadiums. It's almost regularly uh, Hank is texting in. It seems like it the last couple of weeks. When you look on social media, and I've seen videos either from TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, there's a lot of fights at football games with fans. And I don't oh, know really? because of, I mean, more than any other sport, and maybe just because people are showing them or are there just more fights, some of them are really, really ugly. I mean, really brutal. Uh, most of them NFL, actually, the ones I've seen. Uh, you know, a few baseball ones lately, but it's, it's I see I so many, it's scary. I think there's, I think there's, they're probably just showing them more. I think there's always fights in the stands. You know what? We don't have fights in our stands at UH, do we? We've not, not, not now and hardly ever over the years. We've had one or two that people used to bring up, but no, compared to other cities, other colleges, yeah. other venues, no. So that's one The only thing's going to break out between a couple of senior citizens like, hey, that's my backrest. <laughs> yeah. No, that's my backrest. You're sitting on my backrest. <laughs> Okay, we'll get a more text uh, coming up in, uh, on 808-296-1420. We are going to talk with Russell Baxter from fansided.com, NFL Spin Zone, and the profootballguru.com because he is our pro football guru. Russell Baxter joins us coming up next. Hey, folks, it's going down at DB Grill in Coppola Commons. You can try their new grilled ribeye topped with kimchi butter. Whoa. Don't forget to get their handcrafted soju crafts. Visit dbgrillhi.com or follow them on social media at dbgrillhi. Happy Halloween! It's Chris Hart. Along with the Black Magic Woman, Gary Dickman, on ESPN Honolulu. Joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline from fan-sided NFL Spin Zone and ProFootballGuru.com, Russell Baxter joins us. Russell, how are you this morning? Uh, well, this afternoon, I'm doing great. Uh, <laughs> we're here on the West Coast, watching the lead pool, waiting for... Uh, the trick of the dish to stop by and uh, letting them be disappointed when I've eaten all the candy already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was uh, I was uh, w- watching um, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback um, Pickett, watching Kenny Pickett, watching him play. It turns out that that whole thing about tiny, tiny hands was actually true, looking at his performance this year. Well, he's had – Interception problems. Um, he's had turnover problems in general. Um, they, they're offensively, they are. There is more heat. You know, it, it's a situation when Mike Tomlin's been under a lot of heat the last couple of years, and Matt Canada, uh, the offensive coordinator, um, is probably un- under even more the gun. And the Steelers are off this week, and it'll be interesting to see if the, if the team makes any changes. It's traditionally not a team that does make changes in the middle of the year, but there seems to be a lot of unrest there. And, um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger the last couple of years, uh, it, it might have done just enough to keep them afloat. Uh, but I'll be curious to see the hands I'm anxious to see uh, belong to T.J. Watt, who they yeah. left in week one. 
and haven't seen him since. And and he could change a lot of things. So, uh, but you know, it's been that kind of year. You look, you look. Pittsburgh is just one of many examples of teams that were in the playoffs last year who are below 500. Let's keep with quarterbacks, Russell. Tua Tagovailoa, another great performance when healthy. Uh, he's had a very, very good season, 382 yards. What were your thoughts watching Tua yesterday? Well, I, I, I'll tell you, if you are having a bad year offensively, uh, book passage to Detroit um, and see if you can play the Lions. Um, and, that's, and that's not taking anything away from Tagovailoa yesterday. Um, uh, but watching Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle run roughshod through that defense, the worst defense in the league. Um, and they, they, Detroit, after not scoring a touchdown the last two games, uh, finally put some points on the board, but you know they, they couldn't hold a double-digit lead. Um, but it's the way that uh, Tua plays. Uh, you have to be impressed. The rapport he has with Hill and Waddle um, is pretty impressive with Tyreek Hill because it's his first year with him. And, and Tyreek Hill just, uh, he's uncatchable, for lack of a better word. I mean, right. he didn't even score a touchdown yesterday, but I think he had 188 yards right. uh, receiving. Um, you know, when he was dealt and people scratched their heads on how much the Dolphins gave up for him, um, but he's worth it. I mean, he's still a young guy. I mean, think about this. You know, I, I, I do pieces about guys who are on Hall of Fame pads and more what Tyreek here in the league, guys. Here in the league. Every year. Every time. Russell, we're losing. You're cutting in and out. I'm not sure if you're in a bad area or not, but we're losing half the words you're saying. Oh, okay. Well, just concentrate on the good words. Okay. That's better right now, at least. I, I haven't moved. I okay. haven't moved. Well, something worked. Uh, there we go. Okay. So, Tua Tango by Low in Miami, the way they're playing, I mean, we're obviously fans here. We're not trying to be biased, but this looks like a definite playoff team. I want to know how you see them as far as come January. Well, I thought of them as a playoff team. I thought the Dolphins would return. They haven't been in the playoffs since 2016. Uh, I thought they were on path because just the overall work that Chris Greer has done um, with this team. And, you know, Mike McDaniel is kind of a somewhat unknown commodity. Um, you know, he was in San Francisco as offensive coordinator, uh, I believe, just the one year with that title. Um, but he's come in. Um, you look at what they are defensively, they're a little erratic, but they have playmakers uh, on defense. And, you know, you just think about the competitive balance um, in that division now. You know, it used to be owned by New England, and the Bills and Jets and Dolphins just kind of dragged their feet. Uh, No one in the AFC East has a losing record right now. Uh, By the way, no one in the NFC East has a losing record right now. Um, and, and, and meanwhile, you look at the NFC South and, uh, Atlanta's four and four and lead the pack and Seattle's a big surprise. It's listen, it's, we're near the halfway point, but there's still some startling surprises, but I think some people forget that, you know, the dolphins, um, missed the play 
in 2020, and last year missed the playoffs as a nine and eighteen. Right. So they're they're, they're right there. They're a far cry from. A, you know, what's funny is, um, you know, people. Uh, do you remember when it was tank for Tua? Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, as that turned out, it's it, it's like I, I know there's a national talk show host accused uh, this year. I won't mention his name, um, but he he told us the year that Atlanta and Seattle were tanking this year. Um, huh. <laughs> are, there any, are there any updates on that? <laughs> wow, interesting. We're talking the NFL with Russell Baxter from Fansided NFLs, also the NFL Spin Zone, and he's the founder of the ProFootballGuru.com site. Check that out. Also check him out on Twitter at Bax, B-A-X, Football Guru. Joining us here via the Aloha Kia hotline on ESPN Honolulu. Atlanta, according to Las Vegas, before the season started, was projected to win two games. Uh, they've won four already. Marcus Mariota, another quarterback we follow here. Looks like he's having a pretty good year where some people thought he was just like a Band-Aid fill-in type of quarterback till, uh, till Ritter became ready to start. Desmond Ritter, the rookie out of Cincinnati. What have you seen with Marcus Mariota so far this season? You know, what I've seen from the Falcons, remember they lost their first two games. They blew a big lead um, against the Saints. Uh, then they were getting blown out by the Rams and then made things interesting with a lot of hustle, special teams, and so on. And now they've won four of their last six games. And the thing that really strikes me, guys, about the Falcons is their physicality. Um, you know, they have a very physical ground attack. It's, you know, multifaceted with a couple different backs and so on. I think the offensive line has played a lot better um, than they would have, uh, maybe many people thought they would, would have. Uh, I think Mariota has been a steadying force yesterday. Uh, Carolina was, I mean, they, the Falcons were dying to give that game away yesterday. <laughs> um, and especially on the, uh, you know, the end of the game where they gave up the Hail Mary. Um, and, you know, they got, listen, they got pushed around by the, by the Bengals uh, early in that game, but they came back and made it, you know, close before halftime. And then things kind of came apart. There's a lot to be said for the Falcons. They're a pain in the you-know-what, but that uh, that game against San Francisco a couple of weeks ago where they beat the Niners 28-14 and basically just crammed the ball down the 49ers' throat, that to me was very eye-opening. And who knows, they, they, they damn near pulled out that game against Tampa Bay, and uh, I'm sure Falcon fans still upset about that Grady Jarrett roughing the passer call. Right, right. And the Rams game, they came close to winning it again, only losing by four. Russell, tomorrow is the trade deadline. Uh, We hear rumors about Kareem Hunt, maybe Bradley Chubb. What have you heard as far as players expecting to be on the move tomorrow? Yeah, I've kind of heard the same things, and and I think what happens a lot of times with this is you hear names leading up to it, but then all of a sudden you'll you'll get a Christian McCaffrey deal where Hmm. there was suspicion that Carolina might do that. And then they turn around and do it. We, you know, we saw James Robinson go to the Jets, uh, dealt by, by Jacksonville. That had a lot to do with Brees Hall uh, getting hurt and so on. So I think it's kind of the usual suspect that you've been reading about. But I won't be surprised if guys like that aren't moved, uh, especially uh, Kareem Hunt. And I say that, listen, the Browns play tonight. Uh, they're, on, they're on a midst of a four-game losing streak. Uh, they had their way with the Bengals a couple times last year, but they're in danger of falling out of the playoff race. And listen, Nick Chubb's a great back. 
Um, but it doesn't hurt to have two. Just ask the Packers with uh, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and uh, you know we're seeing a lot of tandems. You know, huh. you know, Derrick Henry does his thing and all that stuff. Here's a, here's something also to keep an eye on when it comes to trading your running back. Look at the way teams are running the ball this year. How many teams ran for 200 yards yesterday? Uh, the Titans ran for over 300 yards. Derrick Henry with 200 on his own. So we'll see if there's any yeah. big names, but there's always those rumors out there. It is a fun time, unless it's your team oh, yeah. losing a key player. We'll also see if Kareem Hunt does play tonight or plays much in that Monday night game. Russell, love talking to you about the NFL. we got a half a football season left, and then it's playoff time. Thanks again for spending a few minutes with us. My trade tonight would be Frankenstein uh, for the Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Russell. Talk to you later. All right, thank you. Russell Baxter joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. Do you think somebody would trade? Do you think the Dallas Cowboys would trade Ezekiel Elliott? Not from Jerry Jones' comments even after the game yesterday because he didn't play in Pollard, had a good game, but he's still saying he's the guy, he's the number one running back. Somebody asked him if Pollard would be the RB1 over Ezekiel Elliott. He said no, that Ezekiel Elliott is a great blocker, that he, he physical, more physical, actually kind of putting Pollard down a little bit with the compliments on Elliott, saying he's better in so many areas. So I have a feeling that will never happen. Although so never some say the, never at times, too. So the trade deadline is tomorrow. The trades, Russell touched on a couple of them, of course, Kadarius Tony goes from the Jets to the Chiefs. Robert Quinn, a few days ago, goes from the Bears to the Eagles. Jets, like uh, he was saying, get uh, James Robinson from the Jags for like a sixth-round pick. 49ers, of course, get Christian McCaffrey. Robbie Anderson is upset because he's um, at Carolina for whatever reason. I can't remember. He's just a guy that gets upset a lot. He's now with the Arizona Cardinals. Actually, the Packers... You would think that they would might be in um, in search of a receiver. I mean, Robbie Anderson would make sense for the Packers. I would think would be a real good one. Yeah, and I think maybe Aaron Rodgers would probably like a receiver. I'm not sure again who would be available a and who they could really afford. Maybe with salary, is there somebody really good out there? I mean, Robbie Anderson's probably not getting a huge contract, so he might be easier to fit in with a salary cap. I'm not sure about some other teams, but yeah, Green Bay. I mean, to me, they're out of the playoffs. I know there's a lot of football left, but at three and See, five, that, that's one thing. But it's also the way they're playing. They just don't look like a playoff team. But I'm wondering, what do you do if you're Green Bay? You you try and win this thing? I mean, it's still a winnable division. I yes. think the Vikings won again yesterday, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're, the Vikings, they're hot. Vikings are hot, but they haven't played a lot of their team. Look at who they played. They haven't played mm. the elite of the in the NFL yet. That's why they're whatever it is, six and one. But at the same time, when do you start? When do you start rebuilding if you're the Green Bay Packers? I don't think you do it yet because you we signed Aaron Rodgers to this deal trying to win now. You're not trying to build no. for three years from now. So you got to give him the best opportunity while he's there. Supposedly, he told Devontae Adams in the offseason, I can only promise I'm going to be in Green Bay one more year, which is one reason why Adams left. He didn't want to be a long-term, do a long-term deal with Green Bay if A-Rod wasn't going to be there. So I wonder yeah. if A-Rod's in his last year. But you gotta you got to give him the best chance, and the, the roster right now is not – giving him that chance right so maybe they do try to make a move i wonder if you know if you're Devonte adams you're like okay you know what i was on a bad i was on a good team they're really bad i left to go to the raiders they're a bad team but at least i get to live in las vegas and i don't have to live in wisconsin so i guess it's still a win-win <laughs> it's a it's a winning situation but, 
Poor they Devontae were good last Adams. year. They were a playoff. They're not only a playoff team with Devontae and Aaron Rodgers. They were a team that you know. You're not looking at their defense. Their defense is bad. That's another reason why. They were 13 and three two years in a row. It didn't help I know. The playoffs. Their defense is. You know what? But their def it shows. It yeah. shows how bad their defense is is gotten. And I think it was you. You put a little uh, lipstick on a pig, as far as defense goes, because you were 13 and three. But their defense has not been great. So maybe try to get a receiver. I mean, Jerry Judy's name's out there, although Denver publicly is saying we're not looking to trade him, but there have been rumors. Uh, again, how true they are, who knows. But, you know, Nathaniel Hackett was in Green Bay. Maybe he does Green Bay a little favor. And, you know, if he's going to make a move, and I know it's not his decision to make ultimately, but. Green I, Bay's going to do Nathaniel Hackett a no, favor? I said Nathaniel Hackett would do Green Bay a favor. Why? Because he used to co he's coached there for so many years. So if he's going to get rid of players. And again, it's not going to be his decision. You get rid of him to that team. It's in a different conference. But you're and joking. You you know, I'm not joking. Is, really? Yeah. He would say, "Hey, I'll do you guys a favor since I coached there a long time." Hey, you're not listening or, to what I'm saying. Again. Okay, I'll listen. And Go again, ahead. I, I didn't say Green Bay is doing him a favor. I'm saying if you're going to trade Jerry Judy, if you're going to trade Jerry Judy, that there's rumors out there, right. you maybe give them. You try to trade him to Green Bay. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't think that happens. I don't think coaches do that. There they go. And for, second of all, it's not his say. I just said that, said that a couple of times. Ultimately, it's right. Not the head call. coach, the head coach, doesn't go. Hey, I think I want to do these guys a favor, Mr. GM. Can you send him to my former team? But you, you know, you're saying it wrong. I'm saying if you're going to trade the guy, why not? Because I think you trade the guy for the best value you're going to get. Right. Of course. You're I don't do know. That. How the own goes into it, going. Who can I? Let me. They were really nice to me. But and I'm probably going to get fired here. Maybe they'll take me back. But if Green Bay is going to give the same offer as another team, you give them the Green Bay. That's my point. <laughs> All right. Very, very good. Very good. Buffalo Bills look unstoppable in the AFC. Did we forget to take a break? We do one. Oh, we did. All right. Let's do one. Uh, let's get a uh, surf update here on ESPN Honolulu. Remember, coming up uh, Wednesday, it's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. Uh, you can learn from our national expert, also our local expert, who scored 171 points this past weekend, continues with a first-paced run. and uh, Or you could listen to Gary and just do the opposite of what he's done this past uh, week. I th you're in first place in a weak division. I'm in first place in the toughest division. I have Tanner in my division. That's tough. Yeah, and actually Tanner's getting first place and you're in second. I think is we're tied. Well, that... well, I didn't lose yet this no, week. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm in first. Yeah. No, no, but you're going Gary to Gary does this have week. the advantage because I do have two losses. Oh, okay. All right. Come but on, now Gary's going to have. Straight, but Gary's going to have two losses, is How what I'm saying. How do you know that? Huh? How do you know that? I'll get. I'll, let me research that and get back to you. Well, you already <laughs> said it, so you must have. I, I'm down by 40, but I have. Oh! Amari Cooper and, Nick, <laughs> uh, and, and Chubb tonight. Amari Cooper. It's fantasy football. Anything could happen. Yeah. yeah, and Gary's living in a fantasy world. You never know. Nick Chubb could throw, like, three touchdowns to Amari <laughs> Cooper. There you go. That would be awesome. Um, okay, so we'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. The island woman prepares for her man tonight. She bathes in cools mountainside. Tomorrow, not only is the trade deadline, 
but it's also the first unveiling this year of the college football playoff ranking. And we know that there'll be, what, four or five of them until they get to the final one at the championship Saturday in December. But I am curious to where some of these teams are going to be placed, but I think that's an indication or an indicator on what we can maybe expect come December. Because let's say, for an example, Alabama's ranked sixth in the country. And I'm hoping the committee doesn't, favor them just because they're Alabama. I don't think they will this year. But no. what do they do with a school like Alabama as an example? Who's going to be that fourth you don't get team in. also? You don't get in. They still have an opportunity to get in. There's plenty of football season left. But I don't think at this point you go, okay, there's, you know, there's five te- undefeated teams in front of them. The SEC is strong. Alabama shouldn't have lost. If a couple people lose and Alabama continues to play well over the next few weeks, then you move them in, right? Yes, and one thing about Alabama, they still they have LSU this week on the road, and they have Ole Miss coming up as well. They they don't have an easy – they have Auburn, which, you know, is not going to be that hard as it might have been other years, but it's a rivalry game. It's not going to be an easy path for them. What I wonder about, just to change – not really change, but talking about college, what happens if tennis, Tennessee and Georgia are playing this week? Whoever wins that game, uh-huh. let's say they lose the SEC championship game. So that means both of those schools would have one loss. And let's say Alabama – wins the SEC championship game and finishes with one loss. Who gets in out of those three? Do two get in out of those three? And I know a month ago, a few weeks ago, people were saying maybe all maybe three would get in. I don't think that's possible. But what is the what do they do with the committee if those three schools have one loss and beat each other? That yeah. is going to be a tough one. And I, I like that. You, you asked me last week why I like controversy. It's just fun when you have things like this, not to make it so clear cut. But I am interested in what the poll looks like tomorrow. Uh, I mean, look at TCU. They're undefeated. Now, the Big 12 is not considered as strong as the SEC or Big 10. And we know Michigan, Ohio State will, you know, will cross one, will knock one of, one of the schools out after they play head-to-head in the three or four weeks. But what happens to a TCU if they're undefeated? I don't think the Pac-12 is yeah. in the playoff picture right now. But if a team that wins it all only has one loss, like a UCLA or USC, are they, how, how much are they considered? So tomorrow will give us a little Wait, bit of an indication. Say that again. If UCLA somebody, and USC. Somebody, somebody have, wins it all with one loss. If the Pac-12 champion will only have, if they only have you don't one get loss. In. You don't get in. There's only four teams. You're, I mean, Pac-12 is good. I mean, you've got Oregon, USC, UCLA, and Utah all packed in the middle of the rankings. I mean, this is a good year for the Pac-12. But still, if you have a loss, you, do not, you should not even be considered with how strong the Big Ten and the SEC are. Don't care. See, I can see that what you said makes sense, but I also think that if you're just looking for the four best teams, depending on who the loss is against, depending on who these other teams be, there's a lot of things to consider before you, right. for me at least, before you automatically say one loss eliminates you. But yeah. I, I do kind of agree, but. If Alabama loses to Auburn, you're eliminated. I get that. But if, the, if somebody like the Big, I mean, if Michigan plays to Ohio State, one of those teams is going to win and one of those teams is going to lose. Yes. Whoever wins and loses, in my opinion, if the playoffs were held today, which they're not, but in my opinion, they both should still get in. Okay. Sorry. So you, yeah. Because okay. that would happen in the SEC. You don't put the shoe on the other foot. That's how strong the Big Ten is as far as Michigan and Ohio State. Okay, but if you have the SEC scenario where the three top schools all have one loss, you just said a one-loss team doesn't get in, then what do you do? The uh, Well, you don't move up TCU. TCU is not one of the best teams in the conference. But you, you just know, said if you have un- one loss, you don't get in. Right, if you're the Pac-12. The Pac-12 okay. is not going to get in. 
I think that uh, if TCU, if somebody's going to get in, I would put TCU ahead of anybody in the Pac-12. Okay, okay, that makes that's fine. That totally SEC, makes sense. Well, it's an opinion thing, so I mean, it kind of makes it. What, what about the what about the SEC? If they have one loss, then do you take one team? Do you take two? You have what? to look at you have to, and that's why there's rankings. That's why there's a committee yeah. that looks at these guys. Right. That's why I don't think that you, uh, if Michigan goes undefeated and Ohio State has one loss, I tend to think it's Ohio State that's going to be undefeated. Michigan has a loss. They should still be in the title game. If that's their only loss is to the number two team in the country or three team, no matter what uh, ranking you're looking at now, I mean, that would that's a loss. But it's not a bad loss by any means. What about Tennessee, Georgia would be not a bad loss. Alabama beating Tennessee at Georgia wouldn't be a bad one. But what the same way of looking at the Big Ten, suppose the loser only has one loss and the winner is undefeated, why wouldn't both of them get in? I don't know. And it's just fun to talk about. But it's at the same time, it, it can get really complicated because you're going to have to break out everyone's schedule and all of that. What I'm getting at is that this is a year that I think that, I think that two teams from the Big Ten – in the college football playoff shouldn't be unheard of and it shouldn't be like okay well they don't get in only get one team in because well the sec tennessee and georgia clemson alabama is not the same team they were they're, they're this is not the same team they had last year no but i think they for some reason it seems well not for some reason but it seemed like they get a little bit more extra on their side as far as the committee yeah. because they're alabama but i agree that they yeah. even a couple of their wins have been not that you know the a&m win was really close they almost lost that one they yeah. haven't been as invincible i think people. the argument here is really the top six teams is you're talking about georgia ohio state tennessee and michigan and then outliers would be alabama and clemson to me tcu no Oregon, no, USC, no, 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 no. Oregon's another one. They haven't lost since the first week of the year to Georgia. They got destroyed in that game, but look what they've done since then. Yeah, look what they've done. They've beaten, they've beaten um, Stanford, Arizona, Cal. They got Colorado coming up. Okay. You Not Murderers a- Row. We got to take a break. We okay. got to uh, we do this real quick. And uh, we'll be back with more and your texts at 808-296-1420 on the Zephyr Insurance text line. I do want to let you know about something going on because it is that time of the year, time for high school football. We'll get more into it tomorrow, but uh, the playoffs are coming up here. And you can follow us on our social media platforms or the ESPN Honolulu High School Scoreboard, powered by Scoring Live. Get easy access to all high school football results Friday and Saturday nights. The guys who make this possible, BMW of Honolulu, Kid City, and Ron D over at Ron D Solar Services. Happy Halloween from the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, congratulations to uh, Rainbow Wahine uh, soccer players getting some all Big West honors. Now, the season didn't end uh, in a trip to the playoffs. They did fall, was it 4-1, to 3-1, to one, something like that, Thursday, yes. to Irvine on the road. But we say congratulations to El- 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 Eliza Amendolia 
first team all Big West player. How about that? Congratulations. Congratulations. Good deal. JC Jika, second team all Big West. Um, Amber Gilbert, Big West freshman of the year. And uh, Christian, uh, excuse me, Krista Patterson, honorable mention all Big West. It was a big improvement from last year to this year. For Coach Bud and the Rainbow Wahine soccer team, congratulations. We give you a hand, and thank you for a great great efforts this year by the Wahine soccer team. Huh? If I'm not mistaken, I think Patterson and Gilbert are both freshmen, so the future looks bright, even though they lost Hence the seniors. award, Freshman of the Year. I'm just saying, but they got some young players coming back. Both of them uh, are freshmen, so. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's. Oh, you know what? And uh, congratulations to the Rainbow Wahine volleyball team. Back in town at the Stan Sheriff Center coming up uh, Thursday and Saturday. But, uh, ooh, it was a close one. It was a close one. They win in five on the road on Saturday. Number 100 career victory for Robin Amo, so congratulations to her. And they win in five wow. against a UC Davis team that I believe is still under 500, so I don't think that was expected going in, but they still are in first place. They have Long Beach State coming in on Thursday. Long Beach State just beat Cal Poly. So Long Beach State and Cal Poly both have three losses. Santa Barbara has two losses. Our Rainbow Wahine eleven and two. So so uh, t- t- uh, t- eleven and one. Go, right now they have a game lead over Santa Barbara, and uh, hopefully they can maintain that. But you got to kind of win out. You can't have a, a slip up in a conference match if you want to win that outright automatic bid to the NCAA's. Yeah, I remember Hawaii had a losing record in the beginning of the season. Now overall 14 and 6, 11 and 1 in conference play, but you make a great point and uh it's it's that tight. It's that tight in Big West volleyball. So, coming up on Thursday like you mentioned, uh, excuse me, Friday, it's a Friday game. Because basketball's uh, fr- on Thursday. Friday, you've got Long Beach State, Cal State Fullerton is back and um uh Hawaii swept them last time. So, uh, get your tickets. Uh, both, of course, at Simplify Arena at the Stan Sheriff Center. Well, that's going to do it for your Halloween edition of the Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show. Uh, coming up at 12 noon, it is Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy, and that's followed by World Series Baseball, Game 3, Astros, and the Phillies. And then you get a little bit of uh, Josh Pacheco after that. We'll see you tomorrow.